<laughs> I've just, I've learned a lot since I've gotten older that people, it's natural for humans to just be inconsiderate for some reason. A lot of people are inconsiderate and that's not even for me to try to talk bad on anybody or whatever because we've all been inconsiderate in some form or fashion without knowing. But it's just like sometimes it feels like there's levels to it and people do not mind being inconsiderate and just not thinking of others. Thing. And it's like the same thing I was having a conversation with uh, with some friends and we was talking about <clears throat> about work and uh, I don't know, we may have talked about this before, I can't remember, but we were talking about work and I said that I think that you should be able to give anyone two business days to respond to emails and stuff like that, phone calls, emails and all that because you don't know how busy somebody is, you don't know if they're on vacation, whatever. Like everybody, like I, I totally understand. If I email somebody today on a Tuesday, I'm gonna give them at least until Thursday before I hit them up again to just be like, "Hey, did you get my message or something?" Like I'm not gonna keep bugging them, or whatever. And then I said, "I take I for me, it's the same thing in my personal life. I feel like you should give everybody 48 hours to call you back, to text you back, all of that, because." You don't know what the fuck someone's got going on during their day, man. Like this adult shit ain't no joke, man. People, what? The older you get, you got your career that you're worrying about. I could have just had a day where I worked 11, 12 hours today, and then I get off. I still got to cook dinner, and I'm exhausted, and I'm just not in a good headspace to talk on the phone or to even talk over text. And the same way I expect you to understand for me, I'm going to understand for you that niggas just got life going on. I don't know, like, you could have today, I could have texted you this morning at 7 a.m. and you still ain't text me back. You could have been in a car accident, and it wasn't even a bad car accident, but you, someone hit your car, and then you worried about that, you on the phone all day dealing with that, and then you still went into work, or whatnot, and then you still went to the gym after all of that, and had to find a ride home from work, or had to call an Uber down or something, and then you still gotta get home at the end of the day, like we all do, and eat fucking dinner, so now you got to find something to eat or whatnot. But she wasn't having it. She thought that I was rude and inconsiderate to not respond back to somebody immediately. And I'm like, yo, sometimes you're not in a good headspace to talk to somebody. Real shit. As a friend, you should understand that shit. Real shit. Let me jump this shit off. I'm grabbing my charger and be ready. <clears throat> For sure. Jump this shit off. Oh, right. have we figured out a name? No, not yet, bro. Not yet. Not yet, bro. We'll figure something out. I ain't felt this way in a minute. <laughs> <laughs> I just had to roof with no ceiling. He's stupid, though. <laughs> Word. Bro, so I was on Twitter yesterday. You know, I spend, I minimize my time on Twitter now. And this next thing that I say I saw is one of the reasons why. Because people just be arguing over foolish shit. Yep. So chick got on there talking about um, talking about niggas is dirty. They don't even wipe their penis when they pee. And so now all these dudes is in there talking about, wait a minute, you don't wipe your penis with paper towel or a napkin after you pee or whatever. You shake it and make sure you got everything off. And then all these women argue with them, telling them what they're supposed to do. Most of the men was coming back with, well, how are you going to tell us how we supposed to run our body, body the same way you tell us? We can't be worried about how y'all run y'all body. We can't tell y'all, but you mm -hmm. have... All these women who are telling men this is how you're supposed to do it 
And to be honest, I'm like, I ain't never got some toilet paper to wipe my dick off after I pee, bro. Like, I squeeze, get the rest out, and then shake. Like, so it's just weird, man. So they, you should have seen all the people going back and forth. I'm just going through reading all of it, cracking up like, y'all really find all kind of ways to fucking argue, bro. With bullshit. With strangers at that over just the silliest shit. But, and like, if they're just having a fun conversation, that's one thing. But no, these people really argue and they make it into a whole black woman and black man thing once again. I'm like, how do y'all make it into that every single time? That, that's that got to be exhausting. I couldn't be one of these niggas that argue with strangers on social media, bro. Like, that sounds exhausting. I'd be worn out. I got too bad of an attitude because I end up be that guy to say, hey, where you located at? <laughs> Right, I, I like dead ass. I uh, am you in the city, bro. <laughs> I am one of those people now that if you get me worked up, we gotta sit down and have a we we gotta figure this out. Have a grown right? up conversation. Like let, let's let's hash it out. And I'm getting to the point where I ain't boxed in a minute. Shit, I'll take a good squabble. Right, <laughs> right at 31, I ain't, I ain't got the urge to fight nobody at 31, bro. But if it gets to that point, I ain't gonna let you hit me first. Right. Oh, yeah, that's true. I don't have energy to argue with niggas, bruh. I just... Too much shit in my life. (laughs) Too much shit in my life going on to give you this energy that I can put somewhere else. Bruh, my motto for most things now is simply fuck it. Like, it's just for me to sit there and say, fuck it. Fuck it. I don't know what you want me to do. I I can't deal with it. I just... Fuck it, bro. Like, people, I'm not giving my energy to everything, bro. I can't just be out here giving my energy to every single thing. I got enough I got to give my energy to. I always say minimize the fucks. Minimize how many fucks you give a day. I would say don't need to cheers. You see the glass, Louisville. Ooh, I like that. I like that. I like that. I like that. Louisville over everything. 502 bitty shit gang 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 I feel like we gotta give enough fucks in a day than to be just giving out fucks all willy nilly bro like I'm not I'm not gonna give out more than one unnecessary fuck a day cause you already gotta give a fuck about work you gotta give a fuck about traffic you gotta get a, give a fuck about your health about bills about just life that's like six fucks right there six and, important fucks yeah, six important fucks right off top. So you think I'm about to give a fuck to some some strangers arguing on Twitter? Like you're not gonna change it. the fact that people be arguing. You're not gonna change someone's mind, yo. You can't change a grown person's mind. They they're not having a conversation. Y'all niggas is debating over everything. That's why I can't even watch certain sports shows because they always just I, I I can't do the loud yelling over everybody all the time anymore. And that's all. I almost feel like that's all life is now. It's just people yelling over one another. That's it. That's it. Let's kick this shit off, man. Let's get into this shit, bro. Word up. Um, what's up, everybody? Um, my dog Aaron's back in the house. Yeah, we 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 here. We we got a, a new thing for y'all. Um, I think we got some dope content. I don't think. I know we got some dope content. You got two black brothers educated. Um, both working in higher ed, um, come from the inner city. So the perspective that we hold, positions that we've uh, achieved, levels we've uh, conquered through life, 
Uh, we just got some real shit to share with y'all. Uh, so this is the beginning of a, a new podcast series um, titled Yet to be Figured Out. We'll get to that. But uh, sit back. Maybe that's what it's called, Yet to be Figured Out. Yet to be. I, I like that. Because uh, it's hard figuring this shit out. <laughs> all right. Um, we here just to give y'all some free game, um, talk shit, um, put you up on some things you ain't know about, maybe have known about. Um Without further ado, this is us. The first convo we have tonight. It's wild. This is the random thought I had. It's wild that when we was younger in college and stuff, we made sure not to post pictures of us drinking liquor because they told us you can't get a job, you'll get in trouble, blah, blah, blah. But now so many things are so accepted that young people take all kind of videos and posters, I mean, pictures of them smoking and drinking bottles, yeah. tequila bottles of Henny in their hand. Yeah. still get jobs for it. Us, bruh, people weren't trying to hire us. They go search a Facebook to find something. I'm like, bro, what's that got to do with my career, yo? I'm good as hell at my job, so it shouldn't even matter, yo. The thing that, the thing that I've realized over time is that people were worried about perception. Way too right? You were worried about things that you could control versus worried about things that you could control, right? Like right, you said, right. I'm a hell of a worker. What I do in my spare time is my spare time. But in between those lines, it's like a LeBron. In between those lines, he a dog. As right? long as I go to work and I do what I'm supposed to do, and I ain't out here like I ain't robbing nobody, I ain't killing nobody, I'm not like doing anything illegal. What the fuck does it matter, bro? Because I'm gonna do my shit when I get on the court. Speaking basketball terms, I'm gonna do my thing, yo. I'm good as hell at my job, bro. Right. I'm good as hell. So, like you said, man, they, they just accept things way more. It's not as much. I mean, of course, they still worry about how things look, public relations, but way more things are accepted in 2020 than they were back in 2010. I'm going to tie this in, too, to, to the way that, that we was raised, right? I think we, we were raised by parents, grandparents that grew up in a in a society where things were frowned upon, right? So for us growing up, certain things that we did was like, oh, how are these people in our lives gonna think about this X, Y, and Z? Because you knew if, if, like for example, your mom, my grandma went to Canaan uh, whole life. Imagine them walking into church and Sister Malone pulls up a picture of me and you just with Hennessy bottles like, Right, she gonna go, Sister Barry. I seen your grandson on the internet <laughs> with liquor bottles in his hand, and then guess what? I'm gonna get. I'm gonna get a phone call from my granny talking about. I I, I heard about you in that Hennessy. Like what? And I done told you. <laughs> like, hold on, wait a minute. When y'all was at the juke joint, throwing y'all, throwing y'all. I ain't gonna say throwing y'all ass, but when y'all was, was throwing joint, something, throwing hips, whatever you was throwing. He said hips. Y'all was drinking. What nobody saying under y'all. <laughs> <laughs> because there was no evidence back then, bro. Like no face, no case. Pictures and videos and tweets and Facebook statuses back then. But for us, especially more now for the young people, it's so hard to not be seen today. Like back then, you could easily disappear and no one would like nigga. Think about how easy it was to fake your death in 1924. <laughs> think you ain't even gotta go that far back. You can go back to the '60s and shit, right? True that. True this that. This is just when this was just when like cameras were really becoming a thing, right? Yeah. So you had 
But wasn't nobody going to Walgreens and pit, printing this motherfucking photo off like we can do now. <laughs> bruh, <laughs> they, like, bruh, back then, they, you had to get pictures developed. So it took a while for evidence to happen. So you could jump in front of it easily. So you could see someone take a picture of you at whatever club, and then you're like, oh, shit, they about to catch me up. So now you can think of a plan to handle it before it even drops. But now... People can see you at 2 a.m. and the picture's posted at 2 a.m. 30 seconds later. So, you, niggas ain't got a chance no more, bro. You, you say 30 seconds later, they post yeah. this shit real time. Instagram yeah. live, baby, Facebook live. I, well, at the same time that, that it's happening, you right. At the same time it's happening. Right? You like red-handed. Hennessy bottle, weed, everything in your hand. You like, bro, did you just... And it's too late. I don't see how anyone can get away with cheating in 2020, bro. Like, it, it seems crazy, dog. Like, think, of, think about back in our grandparents' days, nigga. They was, them, them grandfathers was having two separate families, bro. What was they? Same city. In the same what? Not even the same city around the fucking corner. And people wouldn't even know for like 15 years. It's always like two people that knew. And then out of nowhere on Thanksgiving, they're like, yeah, your actual daddy is blah, blah, blah. And everybody's like, what? I'm going to tell you to that point, when I graduated undergrad, I went to go work at Toyota building cars at a plant. You had people that worked at the plant that worked with me on the evening shift. So 5.15 in the afternoon to 2 a.m. You have motherfuckers going to spend time with they, they work wives <laughs> from 2 to 5 telling their wife, oh, yeah, we had overtime tonight. He taking a shower and going home like nothing ever happened. I'm like, yo, y'all cold-blooded. But no. that was regular shit. And, and to your point, and, and guess what? This was just 2012. <laughs> this wasn't 30 years. This was eight years ago where motherfuckers got real deal work wives. And, and you hear people play, oh, that's my work husband. Oh, is it really? So you get in, <laughs> okay, we got you. Cool, cool. I ain't going to say nothing. You do what you do. Dog, I never fucked with that term, work husband and work wife, bro. If I'm in a relationship, I'm not calling nobody my anything wife other than my wife, bro. Like, I'm not taking no chances. Now, while I'm single, I don't mind doing that. Like, we can have fun and all that. But I will feel weird if a woman is married and she's calling me her work husband, especially if I don't know her husband. Like, if I'm cool with him and he's heard her say that and he knows... But if I don't, if if you're married and I work with your wife and I don't know who you are at all and you be posting and she posts pictures of me talking about my work husband, I'm a, I feel like I need to have a conversation with you first to let you know, like, hey, bro, you know, it's nothing for real. Yeah, because you, you got to because the way social media works nowadays, somebody sees it, screenshots it, then it's in a group message. A whole I'm different whole group Oh boy, and then it's a whole whirlwind, and she's just playing. But you, as the husband, you don't know. And then one of your like, partners, what the fuck is this? <laughs> one of your partners, or somebody you know, come down the line like, "Hey, bro, somebody showed me this, bro," and you like, "Whoa, wait a minute, right?" So, I mean, that work husband, work wife, um, it's a it's a sticky situation, especially um, like you said, if if the Significant other doesn't hide that relationship with the uh, work wife, work husband. Yeah, it's a sticky situation. Then watch this. Say y'all got the company picnic, <laughs> and you show up, and work husband right here, 
And all you don't seen is these photos. Like, bro, am I really fuck with you? Like, who who are you to keep taking these photos with my wife? Because you but also know how are. niggas are, bro. Niggas are grimy. Like, people you don't know, you don't know what kind of dude he is. He might really be trying to get at her. Mm. And, and that's not to say that you think your wife is going to cheat. It's not even about her. It's just about, I still don't want this guy pushing up on you all the time. Like, just for me being the, the guy at work, I just would feel uncomfortable because I don't want to disrespect anyone's marriage, bro. Like, marriage is a whole different thing, yo. I've, I, now, in the past, I've disrespected a boyfriend, but I'm not trying to disrespect the husband. No, I mean, shit. <laughs> the question is, when you're talking about disrespecting a boyfriend, um, let's get this out of the way. Do you love him? There you go. <laughs> Do you love him, right? Are, and let me ask you in this context, are you in love? Because you can have love for him and not be in love. And that it's a lot of people in relationships now that you and this person are, yeah, you, you here because it's good for the moment. It's easy. Right? Versus it's easy. And I think a lot of us, our generation specifically, um, I don't think some people want to do the work with relationships, right? A relationship, if you look at a relationship, a relationship is like a full-time job, right? You got to yeah. um, you gotta make sure your partner's good, right? And, and what that comes with is communication. So if you don't know how to communicate, and let me say this, I had to learn it in my previous relationship. Just because I communicate this way don't mean she communicate this way. She was the only child, so she's used to having her alone time and, and yeah. processing being... While me, I'm the youngest of six. Shit, I'm always around people. So, you know, a relationship is your real deal work. And if you're not willing to put in the work, step out of it because somebody is going to be the lesser in that relationship and going to feel slighted. And then you either don't say anything and you begin to harbor stuff within you towards that person. While on the outside, you're like, oh, yeah, I'm good. But on the inside, you're like, your needs really ain't getting met. Yeah, man. To that point, I've definitely seen where people, it's so, they do the easy thing. It's so easy just to end a relationship and not talk to anyone after an argument or whatnot. And you see that all the time, bro. Like most of my last, like I ain't had a real relationship over in like seven years. All my shit was like situationships over the past yeah. seven years, pretty much. And let's say it was six of them. Out of the six, four of them ended with us just, gradually just stopped talking to each other like we it wasn't an ending to it or anything we just stopped talking because it was just much easier than trying to keep it going or whatnot or i've had i see but we're also the product of the music we was listening to coming up especially because all that music used to brag about ending a relationship like you they bragged about my what my pullout game is strong i stopped talking to you in a heartbeat and i'm like that's not healthy just that you call somebody your friend or somebody your family or it's your significant other, and after one time they piss you off, you are that easily you can just cut them off. Like for me, I ain't gonna lie. For me, it's not that easy for me to just cut people off. Like when with somebody I fuck with them, like they're we're close as hell. It's a loved one, man. Like I, I ride, I, I ride for you. You my homies for real, and you my straight friend. up. So for for us to get in one argument. And we just don't talk for the rest of our life. And we've been friends for 10 years. Like, to me, that's that's strange, yo. That, But, I mean, think about all the statuses that people used to write back in college. I got an ice box. My heart used to be. Ain't nothing for me to cut a bitch off. Like, y'all just cut people off. So, it's, it's like people, 
wanted to be hurt so bad back then. Like they wanted to have those type of emotions and feelings that they spoke it into existence. And now when the going gets rough, people have no problem with just being like, all right, this is too tough. I'm done. And they wipe their hands of it and act like it never happened. Like that's crazy, yo. So like like that point you just said, Omarians, I got an ice box where my heart used to be. Do you think people, how do I work? You think really people understood the context of these songs versus the lyrics, right? When, when you listen to a song like, oh yeah, this bops versus actually going through listening to what this person is saying and processing this song, right? right? It's, it's the difference between just listening to a good track and understanding what this fucking track is really saying. Yep. Um, and I don't think a lot of people listen to music in that context. And, and it could be me. I'm just a deep person. When I listen to a song, I'm not listening to it. Okay, I'm getting the beat. Boom, the beat's here. I'm listening to the bars. But then I'm a person, if I hear this song, I got to run it back just so I, oh. And then guess what I'm going to do after that? I'm going to go genius it and get the lyrics and break bruh, it down. That is, uh, I do that all the time. <laughs> I do, bruh, I'll... Especially let it be late night and I'm just chilling, listening to music, like vibing. And a song will come up. It could be it could be an old Jay-Z song from 1997, or it could be a newer song from a younger artist. I will pull it up on Rap Genius just to see what their thoughts are on the lyrics. And then I would see, so I'll read theirs and then I'll see, do I agree? Is that how I feel? Do I interpret it the same way? I love doing that shit, just sitting there doing that, which... By the way, just side note real quick, that might be a fun little uh, segment to do on a podcast, mm. breaking down certain lyrics of songs or whatnot. And they keep it songs ever. They can be just a fun-ass song. It can be a Yi Yang Twin song. It can be a... Dom, dom, dom. Right. It can be all that. <laughs> Come to the club 50 lamb time, but... The uh, window! <laughs> <laughs> but no, like, I'll do that. So to your point, I don't think most people are paying. It depends on the artist because okay. no way people was really listening. Most people, not everybody, but most people wasn't really dissecting Future's lyrics. Because if they were, you'd be like, this nigga's low key screaming for help in some of his music. Like, Ooh, like yeah. he was so addicted to Percocets when he would say, like, some of these rappers say lyrics like, um, when I'm not on that Percocet, my raps don't make sense. And I'm like, that's not healthy that. In order to have some creative shit, you have to be on a strong drug. Like, it's not just smoking a little bit of weed. You have to be hella high to make dope content. And that's not health. It should inspire you, maybe. But it, but when you say you're not making sense, if you're not on, like, Perkins says, that's not just weed, bro. <laughs> nah, that's, like, the thing I think a lot of people don't realize is that I've heard many a times from people in the entertainment industry that, because certain people in the industry have dealt with so much that they constantly have to live high to function. Right? And I, but and I get it though. That that makes hella sense. Like because for us, it will be it's very it's impossible for us to understand or relate to the that kind of lifestyle. Like that lifestyle's not normal for them to for someone to be in eight different cities in seven days. Like that's not normal. Like that's not normal that. You're that rich, yet you're still unhappy because people on social media enjoy to hate you and they want to see you fall. Like so, I totally get that that they gotta kind of numb it. They have to numb it. That's why you will see a celebrity 
in an interview, some people look at them like they're an asshole, they're a jackass because they got on sunglasses inside, indoors. Mm. But probably them, during those times, their eyes are probably baggy than a motherfucker. They probably high as shit. Yeah. Other, they just tired. Yeah. So we can't relate to that. But I will say, like, when it, like, we're talking about future, I, I will bop to somebody's me like Percocets and Strippers. That music, that song is fucking fire. But if you listen to those lyrics, it's like this nigga needs some fucking help, yo. But he's come out and said that he stopped doing all that shit years ago. He just kept rapping about it because he knew that he could make hits with it. And it's like, I'm not gonna lie, part of me is like, I understand, bro, because it's entertainment and yeah. you shouldn't take it serious. But unfortunately, that kind of music inspires a lot of other people to want to do the same exact thing. And that's how, like, it's a bunch of these young rappers that I, I can't remember their names, but they've been dying over these last five years. And, and most of it has been from overdosing. Not, it's not like they die from car accidents or whatever, cancer or something. These things is dying from drug overdoses because, and it's the same drugs that all the rappers be rapping about, though. And, and, and to that point, I don't think it's a lot of people. I think our generation got away from it, uh, and not away from it. We still enjoy the music and shit. But our generation right now in 31, our minds are developed enough to understand, all right, this is just entertainment. Versus uh, a 16-year-old who wants to fit in with his friends. It sounds or, yeah, a 13-year-old who is going through a home life situation and this music is all they listen to, so they think this is really life for them, right? You get kids in the inner city, their environments already show them shit like this, uh, right? You see the, the, the neighborhood drug that was all that good shit, so you think this is all you know. It's, that's just like for us. We grew up on the west side of Louisville. We didn't know too much, so we was exposed to the east side of Louisville, right? So yep. growing up, we would have heard future at 10, 11 years old. Oh, this shit, Bob, this is reality. Oh, yeah. Because a lot of us had made it from one side of the city to the other to see what, you know, and, and you ain't even got to go to the East End. You just ain't been to Petersburg yet. Petersburg was the first neighborhood that I seen without power lines. <laughs> Word. It, it, I haven't even thought about that. For me, that was the first neighborhood that I could really remember black people living in with like two car garages. Like, black people that, for me, I thought Petersburg was like, damn, they got money. Like, that was the first time I thought, like, oh, so Petersburg wasn't nothing but black people that was from the hood but got money now. And now they kids still have that same, the kids grow up in, like, the suburb, kind of, but they still have the hood mentality as their parents. That was Petersburg, basically. Yeah, man, like, Peters, you had your GE retirees, your Ford folk, right? Your, your people. The Morris. Yeah, and, and watch this. Petersburg, for me, I saw a black family. Yeah. Right? I saw a mom, a dad in a house, kids, right? You don't get that in every aspect of the city. So um, I think music like that is cool, but I'm not going to knock it. Hell no, nah, because I bop to it. But I think there's a fine line between what you put now and, and watch this. A rapper like Future, yes, this is your image. This is what you do. But I think you also got a responsibility to the little ones to come out every once in a while and be like, yo. And I think Lil Baby did a great job of this in that song, The Bigger Profit. He said, I, I, I rap about killing and dope. I did what I had to do, but I'm trying to get these kids hope. And that's literally the same thing that Nas and Jay-Z had been saying their whole careers. Like, what Jay-Z said, he said, um, 
He said oh. did that, so hopefully you won't have to go through that. You hope did that, so hopefully you won't have to go through that. Like Jay Z has always been honest, saying that that's not the life I live now. But then as he got older and older, he even says that he kind of hates that he was doing that so much and that people like believed he was still doing that. But he always try to convince people like, yo, I'm not glorifying it. And that's what most of the rappers said. They're like, we're not glorifying it, glorifying it, but we are painting the picture of what is actually happening and what is really happening. Um, but to your point about like, we would be doing the same thing. Like, hell yeah. I mean, we were like cash money record for the nine, nine and the 2000 trying to get grills. They all wanted grills in their mouth. And I remember that's when, I remember 99 to 2000, I was in the sixth grade. And that is when like twerking, like I remember the word twerking, that's when it really became like main. Oh. The word twerking became, and not maybe not as mainstream like how when Miley Cyrus started doing all this shit and then why, and we was like, oh damn, white people didn't know what twerking was before Miley Cyrus. We thought everybody knew that shit, you know? But we was on that cash money dog. I remember like, think about it. Cash money was wearing, the the jean the fubu type of jean suits like they was wearing that little silver gray that yeah metallic and I had I had lugs or tims and those fubu jean suits wearing a do rag and a fucking headband I was hella two thousand bro hella I was bandana gang right you you couldn't tell me I want juvie tying the tying the bandana <laughs> around the bed yeah what we did the same thing as what they're doing like. Like our parents always said, and we always just was like, yeah, yeah, whatever. They always said nothing new under the sun. There really is nothing new because now we're at that age where we're seeing all the shit that was going on when we was kids, the shit we was doing, the shit we was into, we was wearing, like all of it happening again. Like it's all nothing. There's literally nothing new under the sun. It's just packaged differently now. That's all it is. It's just packaged differently the same way that the same way that the niggas is the all these young people that it still shocks me because I mean I we didn't grow up listening to future so future doesn't mean the same thing to us that it means to a 20 year old to a to a 20 yeah. year old but for us that was like that was cash money that was Rockefeller that was Rough Riders yo dipset Oh, nigga, I was a Rockefeller dip set nigga for real, yo. I State property too, shit. Benny what Like, we had some shit in our era music-wise. Um, I think the person really popped off painting that vivid picture, our generation-wise, early days. Jay-Z painted a dope picture. Yeah. But I yeah. think Jeezy came behind him and really just gave it to you to another level. Because when Jeezy came out, Last time I checked, I was a man on it. Like, Jesus did <laughs> some shit and painted a picture so well that I ain't gonna say his bars wasn't up to Jay-Z's part at that time, um, but he just gave you live and direct. People felt, but that's always been a thing about the Jeezys of the world that, yeah, he can rap and he'll say some dope shit and stuff too, but I, he's never, he to me, he's not like the dopest lyricist ever, but he can paint a picture first of all, and he's authentic. So his fans connect to him. So yeah. he's not as talented as whatever rapper. It doesn't matter because your fans fucking connect to you and they are going to rap for you. So there are people all over the South that fucking love Lil Boosie and will say that he is the South's 
Snoop Dogg, he's the he they will say that he's better than Jay-Z, all that because they connected to that nigga. When we was in high school and he was coming out. She was that nigga when we was in high school. Big money. (laughs) I like it. What else did he have back? I've been going through some things. Boosie love, my nigga. Boosie love, niggas. Like Boosie had like when Boosie dropped, bruh, when he was really at his peak. I was living in Fort Hill. I was staying with my granny. My mom lived in Indianapolis at the time. Um, and, and my granny can't control a 16-year-old. She's in her 50s, 60s, right? So right. Like, you know, my older brother who's in the streets, I'm jumping out of uh, cars that got dope in them and shit. And what am I hearing the whole time? I'm hearing Bootsy. I'm hearing Jeezy. I'm hearing uh, old school Wayne. I'm yeah. hearing Gotti and shit like that. So it's just like, for a minute, like, I, I remember graduating, uh, about to graduate undergrad, bro, and I had two shorties from Memphis. Uh, they would always either, one would do my hair, this is when I had hair in college, and the other one like a bomb cook. Uh, shout out to Candace and Ingram. Um, big shout out to my Memphis folks. But I remember I was about to graduate, bro, and, and this was after Bro got killed. Candace, Candace and uh, Ingram literally asked me, they said, what are you gonna go home and do? And mind you, I'm about to graduate with a college degree in a couple months. I said, I'm going to go home and sell dope. Why? Like, was so all old, this time in college. Right? Because one, I didn't prepare. Two, I was in a different mindset because, bro, I got killed. So what? I was going to revert back to the easy thing, right? Uh, thank God I didn't. But, you know, just you never know where a person is in their life and what, what music and shit they look. Cause at the time, you know, I'm going through my own shit. I'm listening to shit that just got me amplified on edge. I'm like, fuck it, it made sense. But I had to wake up. Wake up, bro, you you got about to have a college degree. What the fuck are you going back to the hood? Do you, feel like, do you feel like that music inspired that kind of lifestyle for you? Like music play, obviously we make our own decisions. We're growing. Yeah. But a lot of times, that kind of shit, if we're just listening to it passively, we can allow it to get into it and we start trying to live it. Like, it's when uh, when life imitates art. And you hear that and you already in a tough situation where they're already just rapping about the life you're already in anyways. It's not that you wanted to fake it to try to be like those rappers you kind of was living some of those stories or whatever. So do you think that music ended up being a soundtrack and kind of made you make those type of decisions or inspired you to make those decisions? I will say when I was in college, I was living a double life for, for the longest. Um, I was still in the streets and I was a college student, right? I'm in college selling weed, doing all type of crazy shit. Yeah. So I can't say that it influenced it, but I do think where I was in my life, what I was doing, listening to that type of music, I felt like it condoned it. Right? It made it easier for you to it made settle it easier, for it. Right? It wasn't, I, I didn't have to put on an image like, oh, this ain't me, because people that either came to Murray from Louisville knew me as jumping off the porch, like, oh, he's in school too. Uh, but then when I'm at school and I'm doing the same shit, like, that's just like at WKU. You go to PFT, not that everybody's sitting in front of PFT bad, but when we sit in front of PFT, these are all cats that either from the West End, um, I'm going to say over on the Algonquin side, Park Duval, in that area. East End, East End too. Yeah, it's from East End. But this is what we knew. And then you take us from high school 
to college because a lot of us, when we went to college, we wasn't in college just to go and get a degree. We was there because it was the thing your parents say, you graduate. It's just what you were supposed to do. Like it's, it's, it wasn't a lot of times it wasn't really our decisions. It's just our parents, we expected you graduate, you go to college, you go to somewhere around Kentucky. You don't even have to go too far. Like I, I always said that our, my first two years in college, it felt like it was high school university. It just felt like everybody, it was still everybody from back home. Uh, yeah. People from Nashville felt the same way. It was so many people from back home where they were from, people from certain parts of Indiana. They knew like people from Louisville. It was just, it was high school university. Like nothing really changed. Like, like I said, it was, it was just packaged differently. If it, it was all the same, it was just packaged differently. We're just a couple years older. We're away from our parents now, which we could, which could be way worse. Oh wow! Back then, and Ooh, wow. We just, it, it was just what we were supposed to do. You go to college, but no one told. They all told us to go to college, but they didn't tell us what to do while we were in college. I, I think that's why I'm starting my nonprofit. It's a, it's a big reason, right? Um, and, and shout out to KMP keeping my promise to nonprofit. Shameless plug, but. We got like, to college. No, you can talk about that. You can talk about that. Like, what made you start it? Like, how you started it? What do you? What yeah. do you, do? you can talk about all that, bro. Cool. So, keeping my promise, it started after bro got killed. It, I conceived it, conceptualized in my mind, but it didn't materialize till 2020. But my mom dropped me off at school and was like, "Figure it out." Right. Um, to your point, that first two years of college, I remember every day, four o'clock, I'm at the gym. If I got homework class, no matter what, right. the gym, I don't, I'm not here to go to class and handle my business because one, coming out of high school, I want to handle my business, right? If I know what I know now, I'm going to the two year. But it was like the thing to do. So yep. you know, that first two year of high school university, I'm kicking it with the homies. Full I'm a full-time kick it. Full-time kick it. I might go to class here and there. Um, but it wasn't until that incident happened that woke me up, right? And it wasn't when he got killed that woke me up. It was when I went to jail that was like, hey, bro, you know, hearing your mom cry from a jail cell after she just lost a son four months prior, you know, it, it'll do something to you, right? Uh, and if it don't, um, you know, I'm not knocking you, but I woke up, right? And, and when I woke up, I, I found... I found a beast within because one, I was battling everything that I didn't focus on uh, when I needed to. And now I'm processing the loss of, of someone really, really close to me, right? Not just a friend, but that 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 brother, right? That your blood. So trying to navigate college, do what my parents is trying to say. Um, I'm 18. Well, I was about to be 21, right? Three weeks before, you, before I turned 21, uh, bro got killed. So now, um, Nobody in fucking 2009 was talking about therapy in the black community, right? Um, oh my gosh, I'm sorry. No, they wouldn't. I'm sorry for your loss. You know, watch this. I, I, I have, and I'm going to make it a point to say, I have some dope ass friends during that time. One of the reasons I'm in this position and one of the reasons KMP is, is, is a thing uh, is because one, my friends called me continuously and checked in and was like, yo, you good? You got to come back to school. And I have people they helped me get through that time, right? And I think that's why I love higher ed and the role in student affairs um, is because I get to build those relationships with students that are living the life that I once lived. 
right? So I can relate, I can understand. I'm not telling you just from, oh, uh, 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 professional perspective. I've lived your life, little buddy, right? I've got the scars to show it. I've got the stories to prove it. Uh, and I'm not judging you. I want to help you because the yeah. shit you're going through a lot of times ain't normal. But I think me, me and one of the homies talked about this. For them, it is normal because it's all you know at a certain point until you get to see different. So if it is all you know, what do you think this, this individual is going to do, right? Um, so really, I think a big part of KMP, and, and I know it's a big part, is exposure, right? Once you show somebody something different, you change their fucking world, right? Mm -hmm. Imagine, Will, um, remember the first time you went out of town, your first big trip. I guarantee you right now at 31 years old, you can tell me everything about that trip. Because if yeah. I blew your mind and planted a seed that, oh my gosh, this city looks like this. Then you go back to Louisville and mind you, 90s in Louisville, if we think it's slow now, that shit was like Mayberry as a kid, but you a kid, so you don't understand, right? Like you live in Atlanta now, I live in Texas. Even when we go back home now, you like, what the fuck is this? It's different, it's different, brother. <laughs> so that exposure, once you get exposed to something different, um, it changes your whole world. And the big thing about KMP is taking kids from inner cities that haven't seen and exposing them to different. That's dope. I mean, exposure is so fucking important because when I moved to Florida, I was just realizing how much I just didn't see and didn't know. Like growing up, like people in Florida didn't understand how you could grow up and not grow up around a whole lot of Hispanics or a whole lot of Jamaicans and Haitians. I'm like, yo, you from Florida, so y'all got a lot of that. And we're inland, like, yeah, at Seneca, we had, some, we had some Cubans there. We had a lot of Bosnians at Seneca, though. A lot of Bosnians. We have a lot of Bosnians, so they just couldn't understand. But I'm like, depending on where you're from, you have certain types of people who have immigrated there, probably. But just ex being exposed to the different cultures when I moved to Florida was like, damn, and I was 25 at the time. And so mm -hmm. I'm like... This is amazing. This is this is dope. I know it makes me understand why my father used to drive us to the richer neighborhoods and the neighborhoods with the where people who own boats just to see that hey, y'all know this can happen for you. Like this is this can be normal for you, but think about that bubble that people grow up in. Like there, I remember I felt like we very rarely left the West End outside of. I mean, we would drive across the bridge to Indiana to go to Target because the closest Target was to go all the way across the bridge. To Grand be Line Road. Bruh, right. <laughs> we would go to, we go across the bridge to go to Target and whatnot. We had the Kroger right down there in the West End. I went to St. Stephen as a kid. So St. Stephen was down there in the West End as well. Like the only time I left the West End as a kid for real was when we went to, well, I went to elementary school, I went to Greenwood Elementary out there in okay. PRP. So I went, all, and because it was right next door to PRP High School. So I went out there during elementary school. We would go to like the movies in the mall. We would okay. go to Indiana once again to go to the movie. We would go to, uh, I think it was called Green Tree Mall or something like that. Yeah. Out in Indiana, uh, I think it was New Albany also, some part of it. Clarksville, yeah, Clarksville, Indiana. We would go to Green Tree, go to the movies in the mall out there a lot of times. But, and then Bashford Manor Mall was a thing back in the day as well. You remember Bashford Manor? Well, I, I remember, 
I can tell you a story and you talk about exposure, right? And, and this is materialistic exposure. I remember going to Foot Locker and Bachelor Manor Mall with my dad first grade and buying yeah. me a pair of fucking pennies. Penny Hardaway, Lewis, the penny ones. If if I could find my first grade picture, I can tell you my first grade picture because I got on those penny ones, right? <laughs> but being from the West End, you didn't have no malls. So you either our shopping when we was kids in the West End, you either went to uh you went out to Dixie to the little Dixieplex where the movie theater was in there. You went to the Value City on Dixie Highway. And the closest mall we used to go to, Basher Manor. Even, even then, when I would go to Newburgh with my pops, he lived on Brenda Drive, and it wasn't shit back then, right? right. Um, then he moved to Rangeland, so I'm in the projects in Newburgh, basically. Yep. Bro, right. I, we, I spent a lot of time in Shavley and the West End growing up. That's it. I was 22nd in Oak to 45th, or yeah. Fort Hill in the East End, right? So my whole exposure was three little pockets of Louisville, my auntie was the first house outside. So as a kid, I was exposed to Petersburg. My auntie worked, was an educator and my uncle worked at Ford, right? But other than that, I'm in the hood, I'm in the trenches. Getting out of town on family trips was where I got that exposure. I love to travel and I knew that life was bigger than Louisville, Kentucky. Yep, I thank God that during the summers when I was a kid, we used to go to Savannah because my uncle lived in Savannah, Georgia. So we would drive every summer. We did that all the time and drove to Savannah. And it would be a bunch of us driving too. It would be, it would be three cars of people driving to Savannah just with all with a bunch of the family together. And you see how that's important. So and, and it's like I hope that as I get older, we can keep the family doing shit like that. Like and life is life is so different now though because there's so many of us who don't have kids at this age like back yeah. then my parents and grandparents was having kids at 24 25 26 like it was so normal to start a family they was they weren't just having kids they were starting families at 24 and 25 a lot so a lot of us grew up with a around a bunch of cousins or siblings and stuff because everybody was having kids at those ages and stuff so when you meet someone who's an only child that's our age, sometimes you're like, oh, for real? I don't know a lot of only childs or whatnot, but I thank God that we was all kicking it as a family and taking those trips and seeing different cities. Cause when we would like, you was talking about, uh, talking about your nonprofit and saying, uh, I bet you can remember like your first trips or whatever. I, I remember those easily, yo. I remember as a kid going to Savannah, I remember, when one time my sister, uh, she was eating and a bee stung her on the tongue. And we had a <laughs> on the way, bro, in the middle of nowhere, we had to pull over because she got stung on the tongue, bro. I remember that. I remember getting pulled over by, it was four cars of the family driving to Savannah or to uh, to Cincinnati because they had a water park called Cincinnati Beach. They had that water park. Yeah. Drive there all the time too, and I remember it was four cars of us getting pulled over by the police, and each one of the cars got tickets, bro. He gave every nigga a ticket, yo. But I remember fuck that cop. You remember <laughs> that he pulling out every because it was all black men driving too, so he got every single person. But I remember all that leaving Louisville at early ages and seeing these other places and what they looked like, and I remember thinking that. Savannah was a fucking paradise. I remember thinking, cause we would go to the beach whenever we went to Savannah and just thinking like, 
damn, like we don't have this in Louisville. So this shit is out here. And but it's so easy growing up thinking that everything's the same as where you're growing up. Like, think about it. When people get older, they like how black people are always like, you know how old black people are. And then as I went another thing I was exposed to when I moved to Florida. I started seeing that a lot of the stereotypes that we use for black people is really just the South. It's really just Southern. Cheers. But a lot of the stuff that we use as stereotypes for black people is really just shit that all people from the South do. Like, you know how that we always be like, black people love to reuse that oil, put it on the back of the stove and use it again. What? But white people from the South do the same thing, yo. And I was like, for real? I thought just black people did that. And I was like, no, that's South, yo. That's Southern. Like, that's just all they do. And I, I also learned getting older that Louisville is not really the South South. Louisville is... No. We're like that that middle. We're, some of us, we're, we're a little bit of Midwest, a little bit of the South. Like, we are all the regions around us. So, because we're not country in Louisville. It's a it's a very unique place, and, and I, I tell people this all the time. Louisville's not South, but you get a lot, a lot, a lot of Southern influence. But when you look at Civil War history, Indiana was a North, and where Louisville's situated, you're right across the bridge. Yep. Right? So, and then to your West, just three hours, you got St. Louis, which is the heart of the Midwest. And Louisville right? way more like St. Louis. I tell people all the time, my bad, my bad, go ahead. Oh, you good, you good. So I was I was actually just telling talking to one of my students today because you know most people here they don't most of my students don't know anything about Louisville and I was telling her I because she's from New Orleans so she okay. didn't know nothing about it. Ooh, yeah, ooh, like, to be honest, I said y'all I said a lot most people from the north definitely call us country and then certain places from the from Florida call us country because we say here there and where but I told her I said we really not country we're we're more like st louis than we are like nashville like and nashville is closer to louisville but i feel like more of the things we say the foods we eat relate way more to st louis than it does to nashville because nashville is way more southern and country part of the south like yeah. country country music usa uh let's coin us a term from louisville right now um let's say city country <laughs> city country right because yeah. you, you see pictures of Louisville, but then you go 15 miles down 65, Bullock County country as fuck. And that's the problem. Niggas from Oldham County and Bullock County be telling people they're from Louisville. I'm like, nah, this not it's Louisville. Cut the shit out. You not from the city. Your zip code don't start with 402. <laughs> Cut the shit out. They, they area code be 859 talking about they from Louisville. Like, no, nigga, you are not. No. <laughs> That's the shit, right? Um, so that's the problem because it be people from out there in those little small areas and country areas that just tell people y'all from Louisville. And I'm like, no, you are fucking our name up. You not from Louisville. And then everybody else, they just see like, they see Kentucky Derby and think that the Derby is just horse racing. And I have to explain to people, black people back in the day, we didn't go to Churchill Downs. Like, what? Okay, we didn't care about the horse race. No. It's just a chance to barbecue to, and then as we on Broadway, go, and I was about to say, go on, posse, posse on Broadway, my nigga, walking around on on Broadway, nigga, Kentucky Derby on Broadway, y'all, shit's fire, yo. Get one, too, Screaming Eagles. Scream, 
Zoom in, he goes, right? I can remember one time, me and the boys, we was down on 45th, right across from Chickasaw, as far as you can go in the West. Bro, we walked from 45th all the way up Broadway to like, I'ma probably say like 10th Street. Damn. Back up and down, bro, you had a few times. But you were Oh my gosh. Like, imagine having a Fitbit on Derby back then. Motherfucking walked about 17 miles, bro. What? Steps is through the motherfucking roof. Um, <laughs> I want to throw something out, right? We, we talking about Louisville. Um, the city's the city is on fire, right? Let, let's just say that the city right. is on fire. I had a chance to go home this past weekend. Uh, everybody knows Brianna Taylor's situation. I don't know how you feel about it. Um, fuck your feelings. She got killed, plain and simple. <laughs> fuck y'all um, feelings. She got killed. And, and there's no bottom line. The, the cover-up, if you read everything, you you know they're trying to do something. And I went home last week, uh, the week before, and when I tell you home don't look like home, um, downtown, not to care about downtown because they don't give a fuck about us, but it's so boarded up, bro. Like everywhere you go, I went through the Highlands, boarded up, right? Um, Brianna Taylor, Louisville, um, you in Atlanta, I'm in Texas. How does that feel looking at home, the place that you once called home, the city that you grew up having so much love? How does it make you feel to see the people, the place that you know, go through so much hurt? I lucky feel kind of like, like I'm not, like I should be there, you know, like, Ooh, yeah. I feel like a friend who, I have friends getting married and I can't make it to the wedding, you know, like, I feel like I'm missing out on something important, like someone passed away and I just can't get home for the funeral, I just, I feel kind of shitty, you know, and it's, it's almost, it makes me think of that, that thing where they talk about survivor's remorse, and they yeah. talk like that black people's remorse where when I see all this shit happening to black people, to us, to me, it makes me, it makes me kind of feel bad for trying to still enjoy life and have fun. It makes me think that I'm not like, who are you to try to have fun still and drink with friends and try to have a barbecue and try to cook, create a cookbook and do a podcast when all this shit is happening back home and happening to black people but I, you have to check yourself that isn't that what the people who hate black people will want for us to just stop enjoying life and having fun and creating stuff and protesting and all that like but that's where my mind goes sometimes where i just feel like having this kind of remorse where i'm like i don't deserve to have fun other black people our whole life are being killed and now this happens in louisville where I've always felt connected to it no matter what, because it's black people. If it's in Seattle, if it's in DC, if it's in Florida, Atlanta, I'm gonna connect to it. But when it's in Louisville, my nigga, like you just feel bad that you're not there. Like I should be doing something, you know? Yeah, and, man. Go ahead. It is it hurts, right? Because yeah. when people look at TV, they see TV. But then for some of us from Louisville to live in different places. You look at TV and you can call some of those people you see by name. Yeah, you can, you know, the buildings, you know, the streets, you know, the people who's out there. Yeah. You know, like yeah. you can talk all that by name. So it just feels like, should I still be, I shouldn't be just going to work every day. I should be there. Yeah. Point. But 
It's like, I'm not, I won't change the situation just cause I'm being sad or depressed. Mm -hmm. Or if I quit my job and go to Louisville to do something like I can't change the situation by doing that though. So it's, it's like, you just figure out a way to make sure that everyone there knows that you are in support of them. It could be just literally calling, texting your friends that you know that's out there just to be like, yo, where's your head at? I'm glad you're doing this. Letting them know that you're proud of them and that you just love what they're doing and you support it. It could also be where you, hey, the people, you know there's people out there protesting all day. You can you cash out your friends some money for them to get something to eat. Like, I don't know, like, it could be that you helping someone getting bailed out of jail. It, it's so many things and people always try to put a, what they think you're supposed to do, but there's so many ways to help the movement. So that was a long answer, but it's all those things that come to my mind when I think about all of that. I saw the uh, Hulu documentary dropped on her. I can't watch it, bro. Like, I don't know her and I'm not going to be, you know, there's people that'll try to be like, yeah, I knew her, blah, blah, yeah. blah. But I'm not going to pretend like I even knew her at all, but I feel like anytime someone's from Louisville, I feel like I know them. I feel like they are fam. If I'm yeah. in a and I don't know you and you but you're like oh yeah I'm like where are you from I'm from Louisville automatically I'm like oh shit what what part and you know if they're from Louisville the way they explain where they actually first of all you know if they actually from Louisville when you say where are you from if they say Kentucky that nigga ain't from Louisville like <laughs> you say Louisville nigga I mean it I, or say, say, I say it with pride right. oh, yeah, if, they, if they say Louisville hey bro get the fuck out of here son you the only people that say Louisville that are actually from Louisville are the old people. Old people say Louisville. Like, our grandma yeah. will say Louisville. Um, but no, like, my mama was here. My mother and father was here this weekend. And I'm hearing the whole here, there. Uh -huh. Like, you was hearing that whole shit. I'm like, my mama is hella Louisville, yo. She is hella Louisville. So you know when someone's from Louisville, because when I, when I moved to Tallahassee, uh, somebody I work with, I was telling them where I was from, I was out from Louisville, and she was like, oh, I think so-and-so is from Kentucky as well. I said, hold on, are you from Kentucky or from Louisville? And all everybody there, it's the same thing. No, it's not. It is not the same thing. Louisville and Kentucky are two totally different things. And you know, he gets pissed when we say that. But it's true, nigga, like... We are, we are our own person. Like, get the fuck out of here, bro. Like, only reason Lexington on the map is because of UK, bro. That's the only reason. Like, both horses, nigga. horses. Let's say UK is horses and uh, UK. Other than that, ain't shit in that town. It's, it's Rick good Patino got there, a little bro. part of that too. Rick Patino got a little part of Lexington as well. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. He, he, he. It's people in Lexington that still want his head for coming to Louisville. <laughs> Right, Rupertino forever, my nigga. <laughs> and gang, twenty thirteen champions. I don't give a fuck what y'all say, bro. Uh, but like, but not, but Louisville is not like the rest of Hopkinsville, nigga. Like, come on, bro. Like, oh, I fuck with Hoptown though. Hoptown, but, but Hoptown is nothing like Louisville. I'm saying. Oh no, 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 Hoptown. Like, if you. But I love about, my niggas from Hoptown though. And great niggas, great niggas. Uh, sh shout out to Dodgers Chicken. Uh, in Hoptown, shout out to the Woodshed. Uh, matter of fact, shout out to the Cushenberry family, my people down there. Uh, and shout out to Hoptown for teaching me about mutton. That shit is busting. 
right? Yeah. Hoptown off the chain. Uh, for y'all that don't know the state of Kentucky, Hoptown probably a population of my thumb uh, <laughs> and my whole fist all together. It's the size of the town. Um, but when I tell you they get busy and there's some solid thoroughcast that come out that, of the town. That whole little area, brothers, with that Hoptown that's uh, – what's right there about Hoptown? Russellville. Russellville, that's what I'm thinking of. Yeah. I used to have to drive to Russellville all the time when I worked at Enterprise, yo. And that's when I that's when I really started seeing Kentucky for real, for real at an at a grown-up age, yo. Cause I was driving all over like Russellville and Franklin, Franklin, okay. Tennessee as well, like all these little country ass towns. And I'm like, yo, I knew Kentucky was country, but this shit is bad. <laughs> nigga, I'm driving, I remember driving through a little town and the gas station, nigga, the sign said gas station. And they it was handwritten, bro. The prices was handwritten. Handwritten, my nigga. Oh my where the fuck am I, yo? I was wow. not, I remember my first day, I gave this uh I gave this woman a ride. So it was my very first day at Enterprise. And so for my job, I was washing cars. And uh, driving and picking people up and taking them home to their destination or bringing them back to Enterprise and all that. And so that one that I worked in at uh, in Bowling Green was one of like the top two uh, biggest enterprises in Kentucky. Like you got the most business because where Bowling Green was located, it was located around like three or four cities where all these big ass factories were. So we would drive back and forth to all these factories and stuff. So my first day. It's old white woman, not old, but she's probably like in her mid-50s. And I was probably, I was fresh out of grad school at the time. I was like 24. And so I'm giving her a ride from, and it's like a probably 35-minute drive there and then 35 back. So we get in the car, and she's just talking, and we, you know, I can talk to anybody, of course. And I'm like, yes, yeah, my first day, blah, blah, blah. I said, I'm not used to driving all around Kentucky. She goes, where are you from? And I said, Louisville, she said, oh, well, you about to see some country shit. I was, like, like, I was nervous as him. She, it felt like a movie moment, bro. She paused. Oh, you about to see some country shit. <laughs> like, shit. like, God damn, what? For real? Bro, the further we drove, no service on my phone. So now I'm getting nervous. I'm like, bro, this chick about to kill me, yo. <laughs> I'm scared as hell. I have no service on my phone. Now we going through a dirt road. It's dirt road, nigga. It's farms on the side. I'm seeing just, just horses and cows and shit and loose dogs and cats. I'm like, where the fuck? What are you about to do to me? Like, so I'm I'm over here with my phone taking pictures of everything and trying to send them to people, but I ain't have no service. So no one was getting these pictures. And I'm trying to text people like, yo, this is where I am, just in case. I was bro, I was so scared. So she said, We're gonna pull up soon to the house. And you gotta know it's my house. Well, first of all. Cause it's the only house back here. Cause you know we live miles and miles away from everybody. So her saying shit like that, I'm like, am I in a scary movie, my nigga? Are you about to, you about to kill me? She was like, my brother's gonna be on the porch, and it's gonna be real country. And I'm like, what is she talking about? We pull up, no lie, this nigga is in overalls with no shirt on under it, drinking moonshine. And I'm like, what kind of fucking mountaineer shit am I in right now, bruh? He had overalls, no shirt, drinking moonshine. And when we pulled up, he was like, hey, what's going on? You want some? I ain't never met this dude. He trying to offer me moonshine. Like, no, I'm going a, I'm to a get on out of here, bro. <laughs> a, it was double nice. back. I got to go. Thanks, <laughs> it was buddy. nice to meet you. Bro, I was so fucking scared driving down and seeing these country-ass Kentucky, yo. And then 
So she was like, do you remember how to get out? And now I'm thinking, oh shit, my GPS ain't gonna work because I ain't got no service on my phone. And now I don't know if I remember how to get out. And my dumb ass, I was like, yeah, I got it. <laughs> Knowing damn well. <laughs> she said, don't worry, I'm gonna follow you out. So she followed me out to make sure I was going the right way. And when I'm about to make the wrong turn, she blows her horn at me to tell me go the other way. She was cool as hell though. But that was the first time I truly experienced that side of Kentucky. Like, we know it's there, but I had never been in that Kentucky. It was wild, dog. It was wild. Let's see. Um, Paducah, also shout out Paducah. Yeah, yeah shout out Paducah. Uh, Thurs Barbecue, uh, dry ass sandwich, but the beef is good, right? They say it's a sauce, but it, it's an okay sandwich. Right? Paducah, Paducah different, right? Here's a little small town. But I'll say this about Paducah. Paducah got some far-ass chicken. I don't mean to be stereotypical right now, but they had a little spot called Jibo's Chicken, and it was right beside the brick house. Me going to Murray, Paducah was like 45, 30 minutes away, depending on who oh, you Right? So we used to pull up. Jibo's, the brick house? I'll never tell a story, but <laughs> I'll never tell a story. I'll, I'll never tell a story. No. I remember I bus got, I was in Boy Scouts, nigga, and I bus got, uh, I shut down in uh, Mary, Kentucky, yo. It just stopped on us at like 10 o'clock at night. We ended up having to stay the night in Mary, Kentucky on campus, and I had never been there before, bro. I was so nervous. I was like 10 at the time in, on a Boy Scout trip for church, yo. And ain't nothing in Mary, Kentucky, man. I, I'm slick. I feel, shout out to all my racers. Um. I feel slighted, and I know it's many of us that feel slighted. Uh, if you go to Murray State now, hey, we paved the way for you. Just know that. They got <laughs> Chick-fil-A on campus, Panera Bread, rallies, Popeyes. Yeah. Wait a minute. Hold, hold on, hold on. They got rallies, though, my nigga? Rallies on the corner, bro. They got hey. two liquor They got two liquor stores within a two-minute walk of campus, and when we was at school, we had to drive 30 minutes to the liquor store, 10 miles to get beer. Right, so if you wanted liquor, you had an hour round trip, easy, easy. Depending on who it drives. was a dry county in Mary, right? And dry as fuck. Hey, we ain't talking about no wop, <laughs> dry, no wop, dry, motherfucker. <laughs> like I'll say this: it's some good folk in Murray. Uh, it's just the middle of nowhere. Like let's talk. Like talking about Murray, we got older. Um, I think as we got older, we got more busy and we got time to, we don't have as much time to process, right? So a city like Murray, a city like WKU coming from the Ville, it showed you how to slow down in life yeah. and appreciate it, right? Yep. So like when I, when I talk about Murray, uh, let's transition it into Murray taught me how to enjoy life. So I know you, we both been going through like mental health stuff, right? Do you think that moving so fast and COVID, let's bring COVID into the mix. Do you think it's really giving you a time to like sit down with yourself, um, reflect and, and move forward how you choose to? Um, I hear a lot of people saying that you gotta come out of this with some type of new skill, new project, but really, like for me specifically, my mental health, just slowing down and enjoying every single day has been like a blessing in disguise, right? You move so fast. I know me and you was talking earlier. Sometimes we, we text 
and we might not hit sitting on the message because you're moving so fast, right? Mm -hmm. So just just reflecting on where we are, uh, economy, society, COVID, do you feel like you have had the time to just slow down? Because I know me, Murray taught me how to slow down. And now I like peace. My whole life from childhood to a certain age was just chaos. And now in the midst of this chaos, I'm trying to create a peace within my mind. So daily I wake up and I just feel a woo, right? Versus everything that is happening around me. Um, yeah, I would say this COVID shit, for me, it's made everything slow all the way down. And so, yeah, on one end, it's making you, making me kind of enjoy, trying to enjoy stuff. But for the most part, it's made me sit back and check myself and check all the, the shit, my flaws, the shit that's wrong with me, the, the reason why I am the way I am, why I react in certain situations. It's made me slow all the way down to see, oh, I wasn't, it wasn't that I just be procrastinating or tripping. I deal with anxiety. Like, it's made me realize mm. anxiety has played a huge role in my fucking life. And I just thought that it was something else. It's made me realize that no, I'm not trying to be a victim and play a victim. I really be going through mental shit where I don't know why I go through it, but some friends will interpret it as Lil's just trying to be a victim again. It's like, no, the fuck I'm not. Like, I'm not, I don't want people to feel sorry for me, but I go through shit, bro. Like, that's just, so it's helped me, it's made me slow down to understand all of that, to see the anxiety, the mental stuff. It's, made me understand like the kind of shit and I hate saying words like trigger because that's just such a popular word these days that annoys me but it helps me to see the kind of stuff that instead of saying trigger the kind of stuff that affects me to make me think deeper to make me mad or sad or extra heavy it's showing me all those little things or whatnot so yeah COVID has slowed everything down and just made me realize uh so like I okay so I was talking to somebody about how it's hard, it's so easy to be complacent right now during these times. And it's hard to find inspiration and motivation to be productive and blah, blah, blah. But I've learned to be honest, if you're looking for inspiration and motivation, that's that outside shit. And you gotta have something that's intrinsic in you that no matter what's going on, you have this purpose to do whatever. And I think not enough of us have purpose or know a purpose but being inspired and motivated by these outside forces that now we don't have a purpose anymore because everything's slowed down. So now it's hard to be inspired or motivated by anything. But it's made me look at like, okay, well, what's your purpose when you are working at your highest levels? Like when you are doing the best that you can and living your truly, people always tell this living your best life. But what is it that you're doing to truly live your best life? And that means I am creating at the at my highest levels. I am being healthy at my highest levels. And that means I'm working out. I'm disciplined in my eating habits, my working out habits. I'm disciplined in my sleeping habits, going to sleep when I know I need to get some fucking sleep. I'm waking up when I know I need to wake up, eating when I should eat when I wake up. Um, not letting things negatively affect me. Like, how are you living? What are you doing to obtain your best life? And that's the kind of shit I've been thinking about because I've realized when everything's moving really fast and you got to do this and you got to do that, you got to turn this in, you got to check this email, you got to go here, you got to see these people. 
it's easier to live your best life. It's easier to to eat healthy and stuff because you're always on the move and stuff. But when you get bored, the idle mind is the devil's playground, like they always said. And I have seen that the most now during COVID because when you have so much time to yourself, you sit there and just think of the most random stupid shit that you shouldn't be thinking of. And you could be, nigga, you could be sitting there watching a YouTube video, an old Jay-Z video on YouTube, and you just randomly be like, so do they all think I'm ugly? Like, why the fuck are you thinking of shit like that? The thing like that though, bro, is that I learned, and I, and I learned this, I learned this personally. I was so used to being around people that sometimes I didn't know how to be by myself. That was, okay, and I, I will, I mean, keep going, but that was literally me when I first moved to Florida in 2014. I realized that I was so much being the social person. I, I never, I didn't have my own bedroom growing up. I was always around people that all the thoughts that I had in my head, I started realizing, I don't even think these are my thoughts. These is everybody else's around me. This is what my mother told me to do, what my sister told me to do. Blah, yeah, bro. Oh, go ahead. I didn't mean cut you that, off. That shit is like, Moving to Purdue, Lafayette, Indiana, Oof. right? I found the face of depression, right? I, I, I say that some days I went home, I was in a community that didn't look like me. Yeah, you had a few coworkers, but let's be real. In higher ed, how many of us is really hanging out with coworkers outside of work? It's cool to break bread with you, right? Um, but I did have a couple homegirls that I was cool with. But so I, was, I, thought, I will say, that's why I'm grateful and thankful because after like I was at Florida State from 2014 until 2019 and it around 2016 and stuff I really started finding like people in higher ed that I hung out with outside of work no one judged each other we would drink have fun cuss laugh play games have real deep conversations they supported me in my creative endeavors and I know a lot of people don't get that and I was there when I first got there in my first year I ain't have nobody like that at first outside of one other person. Yeah. I'll say I'm grateful because there's a lot of people that do not have that, like you were saying. And, and that fucked me up because before I was at Purdue, I was at EKU where I had a, a, a family of people, right? Yeah. We had a whole little uh, a squad and, and the squad ain't the word. Our name is The Village. Shout out to The Village. I'm talking, when I say midweek turnups, today, Tuesday, we fuck around being the hookah bar right now shots into air and, and half of the crew lived in Richmond, half of the crew lived in Lexington. So here we are middle of the week and guess what? Back eight o'clock in the morning getting shit done, right? Great. And then you go to an environment where you don't have it, right? And now I had this time where it was Aaron get to spend time with Aaron. Yep. Aaron get to be at the apartment. You know that time where you say now is idle where you get to reflect and all those thoughts, all those feelings that you ain't been dealing with. That you never you tried to check before. <laughs> you never tried to check, and they all meet you at this place because, one, you got this job that you don't like, but here you are, you just took Oof. it. You got to figure it out. Uh, now you don't have the outlets that you normally have when I could get off work, go kick with. And that was probably one of the reasons I sparked my big weight loss back in 2018, 2019, is that yeah. I had to do something or I was literally um, – I never have been suicidal, but I had thoughts when I was at Purdue that was like, man, maybe this place might be better off without me. And then you got a shit like that. I remember talking to my ex, shout out to her, man. I, I got unconditional love for you. Um, 
she even told me, she said, Aaron, I didn't realize you was going through it the way that you was going through it there, right? You would get up, you would push through because that's all we know is a push through. Like Purdue was the first time that I actually stepped out and tried therapy. I remember going to my first therapy appointment, sitting with one of my guys. He's like, hey, bro, go, go to therapy. I'm like, man, fuck that. I ain't doing therapy. I'll figure it out. He's like, bro, you can say whatever you want and just leave it there. Yep. I'm like, dude, like, so I remember my first therapy appointment. I was so worried about the mental stigma of going to therapy. I pulled up in the parking lot and turned around and pulled right back out. Word. Cancel my appointment. I pulled up with him that afternoon. He was like, hey, how'd your session go? I was like, bro, I pulled out the parking lot. He's like, what? And it wasn't for another two weeks before I actually got the courage because you worry about that stigma, mental health, black men, right? Black families, you go talk to somebody. And it was just like, Black families, it's, we going to pray for you. <laughs> just right. pray over it. <laughs> and I was just going through so much, bro. And finding therapy gave me that outlet, talking to someone, right? right. And I'm so conscious of this, like right now when I'm going through stuff in my personal, I don't always want to put it on my friends, right? But then yep. you, have, you have friends for a reason that say, hey, if you're going through something, don't hesitate to call me. So it's great to have those people. But therapy is that place where it's a, it's non-biased. You have someone that is helping you get to a better you, right? Anxiety. I got anxiety to the core, right? Um, it, it's so much that dealing with being alone, being alone, not having people like right now in Texas. I couldn't tell you if I moved from, I always tell people, if I didn't go to Indiana before I came to Texas, Oh my gosh, I would be no good here. That's like if you didn't go to Tally before you went to Atlanta, right? Um, having those markers in play before Whoa. you in bigger situations. Now, like, yes, I'm in Texas. I know people here, but I embrace sometimes now, hey, we kicking it tonight. No, bro, I'm gonna just chill, right? Being just comfortable just saying no. Being comfortable saying no, not having to be around everyone all the time, right? Yeah. At first, it was an uneasy, scary process, right? I can sit here on a Friday night now and farm me a cigar, catch some TV, wake up in the morning, Saturday, and go get a nice hike in. So it's just understanding that. Nigga, I can sit on a Friday and watch HGTV, bro. <laughs> you rich. You got cable, nigga. <laughs> you got cable, nigga. I'm still uh, thugging on the fire stick. Fuck you, me. No, I got sling T. No, I got sling T. That shit's $20 a month, bro. Give me your login, bro. Give me your login. I'll throw you $2 on it. I think about it because now I've just learned. Hold on. I, j I would just say yes, but I've learned that if someone else is watching it, they can knock me off. Yeah, they can. <laughs> Unlike Netflix. Netflix, it can be like six people at a time watching yeah. it. Like Hulu can have a couple people. But fucking Sling, bro. Like my father has my fucking login. And I'll just be sitting here watching. Nigga, I'm watching basketball, playoff game. And it just... <laughs> Somebody else is watching Sling, and it knocks me off, bro. I'll be so pissed off. <laughs> hey, that's real shit. Because I hate watching. I hate logging on the Netflix that ain't my Netflix. And, like, yo, I can't get into it. Like, bro, who the fuck is it? How many of y'all is watching this? <laughs> I go home. My pops is like, yo, I thought you was going to put Netflix on my TV. Bro, that ain't even my shit. It ain't mine. <laughs> God damn. How petty of it is it? At 31, I got a job. I can pay $7.99 a month for Netflix. But once you've been getting it for free so long, it's like, damn, do I? It's really hard to pay for it, dog. Like, it's that saying, 
why? Uh, what does it say? Why buy the cow when you get the milk for free? That's what that means, nigga. Why would I subscribe to Netflix on my own if I can get it for free my whole life, dog? Like tonight's episode uh, provided by Hennessy. <laughs> He's so stupid. But that's how I feel, dog. Cause I pay for Netflix. And my pop, now my pops be watching my Netflix all the time too. And I get on there, be mo- the most random shit. Recent watches. I'm like, I don't watch this bullshit. What the fuck is this? <laughs> I promise you, I know my homegirl. Uh, shout out to the homegirl. I, I remember when I was heavy on Twitter. I got both my Hulu logons and my uh, Netflix logons from Twitter. I put out a tweet, yo, who got a log on for Netflix and who? And I promise you, like, they sent them and I'm like, oh shit, they came through. Good looking, and I still been rocking. I got somebody's optimum account, right? Uh, and when I say I watch HBO, Showtime, Stars, all that, bro, I get it on they log on like it's my shit. And I feel upset when somebody already watched it or something. And it's like, who am I to be upset? But I am upset though. Like, get the fuck off here. I'm trying to watch fucking New Girl. Get off of here, bruh. Have you watched The Pink? Uncle Clifford. The Pink? Yeah. P-Valley. What? Okay. What the fuck is P-Valley? I keep seeing everybody tweeting about this shit. What the fuck and where does it come home? All right. So The Pink, P-Valley, Uncle Clifford. Um, What is the right word? Um, I don't know if he trans or what. Um... What where does it come on though? Like what? No, uh, this, I think stars. Oh, see, I ain't got no stars. That's why I have stars. people hey, are talking about. You set me up with the sling. I set you up with stars. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all don't know about the bartering system in America by now, you better learn it real Barter quick, system, baby. <laughs> I got something you need. You got some? Nah, but do you got a far stick though? I got a Roku. Bro, what? Bro, this like twenty twenty. Far sticks can't. Bro, fuck you and Fire Stick. <laughs> Go spend $39.99. Get you a fart. If you need to mail it to Atlanta, uh, mail it to Texas for me, I'll jailbreak it. But bro, you can watch it free on the Fire Stick. Niggas like, gonna need. Niggas bro, gonna need. <laughs> bro, you you really niggering. You paying for something when you could get it free. You could get it free. Like dead ass. Get a Fire Stick, a one time payment, $39.99. When you giving these folk a $20 a month subscription. I mean, well, the Roku came. The Roku was free with uh, Sling. That's the only reason I got it because I ended up doing Sling, and they had a special where they gave you a free Roku if you. Uh, they gave you a free Roku and discounted your first uh, three months of service. And I was like, hell, they say if you sign up for three months, you get a free Roku, and we'll discount it too. And I'm like, hell, fucking yeah. Nigga. All right. So once your subscription was Sling over, look, bro. Don't get these people $20 a month. Think about that. Watch this. I'm being a dad now, right? My dad does shit like, hey, bro, you paying this? Well, you could just pay it off and pay that, right? You paying these people $20 a month. That's $240 a year. Well, you can pay 30 just for 39 one payment of $39.99. You can get the far sick jail, bro. <laughs> it sounds scary. Get this prayer towel right now. It will bless you and answer your prayers if you just wipe your face with this towel right now. Just wipe your face. You will be free of debt. You will have great health, and no one will ever die that you know. Just wipe your face with this towel. Shout Look, out to the sugar mamas. Miss Joyce. Shout out to the sugar mamas that's paying debt off. Like hey, I need me a sugar. Hey, I'll take a sugar. Like dead ass, I, be, um, I can take a sugar mama, or I can be a stay-at-home dad. I can do either one. I've All right. 
So have you, a stay-at-home dad sounds great. Like, no lie, me and my ex, um, like, she's very, very dope, right? Um, I pray that this thing circumvents at some point. Um, but me and her had a conversation. She was like, yeah, because she didn't want this child staying at home or going to daycare, right, for, like, the first year. She was like, yeah, for the first year, you know, I wouldn't mind, like, having my partner be a stay-at-home dad. And nigga, when I say my eyes lit up, I was like, are you serious? Like, she did, she built different. Like, she's just a dope chick, right? And it wasn't that, yo, you trying to corner, but if I imagine having a nonprofit where I could work from home for a year to get it off the ground while wife is at work, right? And then after that year, she takes the time, comes home with the child. Like, that's, when you think about a relationship, building a, a marriage or a partnership with somebody, that's the type of shit conversations that y'all need to have, right? We need to sacrifice a year of you working so that our child gets the upbringing and first year of their life that they need. Right uh, and then you also, you're not just at home, just being home. You got a business that you can do from home. Like that, that's the dope shit, bro. And, and being adults. Uh, I forgot where I was with this. Bring me back to where we was. Being a stay-at-home dad, bro. That's being a stay-at-home dad, yeah, man. That's that's dope shit, bro. What would you, okay, so let's say if you was a stay-at-home dad, yeah, what would you do with your time? Throughout the day. So for me, I was thinking, I'm like, if I'm a stay-at-home dad, I'm going to make sure that when wifey gets home, dinner's going to be ready. Oh, you you have to because it you you can't think, imagine she going to bust her ass all day. Dealing right? with these people, getting on her nerves. What? You She come home, you and baby girl, baby boy got your feet up talking about, <laughs> hey, we hungry. And she just went and busted her ass. The least you could do is go get some fucking takeout. But like dad, the least. The least, right? But if, if I was a stay-at-home dad, um, one number one cook, right? Uh try one number one, uh, not even cook. Make sure my child in our house is in good order so that you can you can come into an environment where you can just woo, get your feet off. Cause I understand now as an adult, after you don't have a long day at work, you don't want to come in your house that start having to clean and pick up shit. So number Duh. one. That's just, I live by myself and I'm pissed when I leave my kitchen messy before I go to work. So when I, so I make myself so happy when I'm like, I might as well go ahead and clean up because I'm going to be happy if I come home. When I come home, nigga, it's smelling good. It's hella clean. There's nothing just laying around. I come in and just be ready to be like, you know what? Shout out to Wita. She love you, Kick bro. off your shoes and relax your feet. Literally. What literally, and then I can just cook dinner easily, and there's like there's no mess in the house. No, I understand why my mama her rule was we couldn't go to bed with dirty dishes in the sink. We had to make sure that what? no dishes in the sink. So if you get in the bed and dishes is in that sink, hey, my man. Nigga, you know, one o'clock in the morning. One o'clock in the morning. She waking you up to get them dirty dishes out the sink. Why are you still even up? You gotta go to work in the morning. Bro, but it's like also you use more energy to wake me up to go and clean this shit, and it's a fork, bro. Like it's a fork. Why? Why the fuck are you tripping? Like what's wrong? You mad because a fucking fork with a little bit of mustard on that shit? Like yeah, hey, you better do it though. So number one, make sure the house is clean. Number make two, make sure the house is clean. <laughs> make sure the house is clean. Kid is good. Two, you know she's worked long. Make sure food right, whether it's takeout, whether I don't cook some. Um, I ain't the, the guy to go draw your bath water every night, but if it's something that I can do to help you get your night over with quick, hey, babe, what can I do to help you get 
out of work mode, get in in relax mode at home. So if it's something I can do to help you relax at the crib, right? Uh, if it's, hey, babe, you know, I'm about to take a shower. Can you go light my candle in the bathroom so I can just relax, right? Create that, that space or setting where your partner can come to the house and just be at home, right? Uh, yeah. Do, depending on your partner, right? If this your partner is a social partner or your partner needs that time when they come home to relax, giving them that space, right? Because you come home and you she been in it and she or he been everybody's face all day, and then they get home and you like ah head first. It's like give me time to relax. It, so and that's probably one of the biggest things I had to learn in my previous relationship, right? Is that understanding space. It wasn't that she loved me, didn't care. She was the only child. I'm used to being around people. I'm the youngest. Yeah. Seven, right? So um, making sure the house is in order, making sure your partner, spouse has food, giving them time or creating that space for them to relax and then join the family, right? Come down from the day before she... Yeah, she yeah. so that's, that's, that's huge, man. I think I think growing up and really being able to look at relationships, being in relationships, understanding relationships, I think, and, and I'll say this for me and you, I think because we're doing the work and we have the experiences to understand uh, and really process what it means, what you need to do, what is required, I think once we do find that and anybody that is in our similar situation, once you do find that, I think you'll be great at it because you know what you need to do. And if you know what you need to do and you just don't do it, you're an asshole. Right. right? Um, I'm going to say this word and I don't use it a lot. Um, don't be a fuck boy once you get to a certain age. Right? Once you get to a certain age, fuck boy tendencies got to go. Bro. Um, when you I get out of college, that shit has got to go after college, bro. We all, and watch this. I'm no proud or no better than everybody that will see. At one point, I have fuckboy tendencies. I have fuckboy, a misogynistic, a young asshole. I thought the world was all about me. And yep. then you learn as you get older. You, I think, all right, so I'm going to answer this question, but I'm going to want you to answer it too. When you go through your fuckboy stage uh, and you're ready to be in a relationship, whatever happens, um, do you think that, do you think that you are one cognizant and like I, I've heard a lot of people say and I've said this when a guy wants that one or he's met that one and I had this conversation yesterday a couple days ago with a friend when a guy meets that one he knows she's that one do you think it's easy for him to get out of those tendencies because I think that's the, the biggest struggle is that once somebody gets over here and you go through a certain situation it's not easy to get through, so you just revert back to those old ways. But I say that to ask you, how do you know or do you know when you've met that one and your fuckboy days is over? Or is there a switch that you flip that says, all right, or did I lose a good one to make me change? For me, I literally don't know when it's like, when you've met the one on that part of the question. like. Because I think it's because I haven't met the one. I haven't met that woman that makes me want to be like, oh, shit, like, she got me. I, I haven't met that. I've I've met women where I have those thoughts where it's like, man, she's dope as hell. I really would love to try to make that work or whatever. But the fact that we're not together now 
probably shows that she wasn't the one because I wasn't willing to put in all of that work or whatever. And it's not to say that I was lazy or being a fuckboy. It's just that obviously she wasn't going to be that one. But I will say to know when you're ready to stop having those fuckboy tendencies, um, just as you start, as you're getting older, like when you years removed from college, when you start have when you have a career and you doing like when you worrying about grown up shit and when you when for I guess for me when I noticed that a girl could text me at eleven thirty at night and be like we should do this you should come over and I was willing to be like nah I'm good I'm gonna go to sleep when I was willing to put sleep <laughs> trying to go get some ass I knew nigga things have changed bro yeah. yo. Like, cause a niggas be tired. And now as you get older, sleep matters more than trying to go fuck with this woman. She could be a cool ass woman. Yeah, that's cool. But it's 11.45 on a Friday night and I've already been on the couch drinking, eating and watching uh, fucking House Hunters. So I'm willing to say no now. I don't have to go. So I th- it's when you start doing shit like that is when you realize like, damn, I guess things have changed. I don't like you know. Back in college, if a chick, no matter what, back in college, you can be tired as hell. If get you up at two a.m. and out of your sleep, you gonna find a way to get up, bro. Hey, don't let a message at twenty years old come through this Fitbit talking about what you doing. I'm on the fucking way. That's my reply. Ain't no, oh, I'm at the crib chick chilling. I'm on the fucking way. I'll see you in a minute, bro. I'm about to go over here and pounce on this shit. Bruh, but now at 32, dog, I'm like, shit, I done took my bra off, my nigga. I took my bra around. I'm on the couch. <laughs> I ain't you are free, baby. Look, your reply is, what you doing to ma? There you go. <laughs> what you doing to ma? <laughs> <laughs> That's the better question, bruh. The better question, she's doing no baby girl the better question is what you up to tomorrow <laughs> i'm telling you around 11 <laughs> look look you you gotta spin the situation right hey it's not that i don't want to see you but right now just ain't a good time <laughs> you're not gonna get my best self right now and i want and you deserve <laughs> the best of me and if I, I can't i can't respect myself if i only give you 60 percent of me you deserve a hundred percent of me plus whatever else I can give you. So if you are willing to wait until tomorrow, you're going to get 110% of me, and we're going to enjoy ourselves even more. Are you down with that, baby girl? Listen here. This, don't let me have some of this before I go over there. (laughs) Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Oh. Oh, boy. Don't let me... Can I use that clip for the trailer on social media, bro? Cause that's like- yeah. Oh yeah. Like when when I tell you, young man, young man, if you ain't had one of these nights yet, just know that next morning you're gonna move a little sluggish. But that it's night it, is gonna be worth it. Hey, the big homies tell no lie. Show no. <laughs> Told a, I ain't told a lie since 2012, y'all, so we good. All right, so we, we talking big homies giving game now. Free game, what we got, right? Free game, right? You 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 got the ability, you got awareness right now. Give me, give me, give me a nugget. Give me a gem. 
it's okay to sit in silence and not be around a bunch of people all the time. It's okay to just let your thoughts flow. Even if you don't like your thoughts, just let it come out. And then you can be like, why am I thinking that way? And break it down. Like sometimes you need to have that time to yourself and all these random thoughts that you couldn't hear for yourself, get it all out. So if you got to write it down, whatever, like I spend that time where I'm not even thinking, I'm just writing. Whatever comes to mind within three seconds, I write it down. It might not make sense. It might be a fucking long ass sentence, but I'm writing all that shit down. And then you just like, why am I thinking like this? And you break it down and tell yourself if you tripping or not. And find somebody that you are comfortable enough to be vulnerable with, basically. Mm. Too. That's really yeah. Find somebody that you're like, everyone needs at least one or two people in their life that they can probably more than one because not everybody has that one person that you can just say everything to, you know what I'm saying? So sometimes you need like, I don't, I don't talk about everything to my sister. I say about 85% of the shit to my sister, but there's a certain shit you're not going to talk about or whatnot. So find somebody that you can be vulnerable with, man. And on another note from that, we'll stay on this topic though, but I've learned that because I'm so vulnerable with people and very transparent with people, yes, that might some people just might not fuck with it, but it's worth it when you connect with people. Like you, it might be five people that don't fuck with it, but that one person that really connects and you connect with them and vibe with them is worth it. Even my, I had one uh, a supervisor at work tell me, she's like, yeah, you was talking about the therapist she was going to see and what it did for you. I, I kept trying to do it and I just wasn't, I just wasn't pushing myself to do it, but I finally did it because you inspired me to do it. I'm like, damn, that, that kind of shit is dope, bro. Like even yeah. I, people pay attention to me on social media or whatnot. And like, I've had student, my former students write me. It was like, man, you really inspired me to try to do stuff in the community. And if it's just paying for somebody's haircut, or buying groceries for a mother, like you inspired me to do stuff. So whatever you ever need, I got you, bro. I'm like, damn, that's, that's real shit. So you don't think people are paying attention to you, but they are. So that's why, like me, I feel comfortable enough to share almost anything, bro. I I don't care if people judge me or got something to say. It literally does not bother me because I thrive in who I am. I fucking enjoy who I am. You know what I'm saying? Like I I really sometimes sit back and be thinking, I am a really dope person. Like you dope motherfucker. Right. You have these thoughts sometimes where you, sometimes you try to convince yourself that, man, you fucking up. You not that dope, blah, blah, blah. But I sometimes just sit there and be like, nigga, you tripping, bro. You be doing some dope shit. And yeah. you gotta tell yourself that. And that's why that's why it is important to be vulnerable and transparent and to be that person because you never know who's paying attention. And a lot of times those people that can get you out of your funk. Like, you know, everybody goes through a little Fun. It can be a couple days. It can be a couple weeks. Nigga, it can be a couple months. Unfortunately, some people it's a couple years. Yeah. You are when you not try to hide that shit, and you don't have any uh, shame, and you don't care if someone's gonna judge you. Just live your fucking truth and own up to your mistakes or whatever. Fucking change your life, cause you realize, damn, other people are going through the same thing. Yeah, man. You comfortable enough to be who you are and not be embarrassed? Now they're comfortable to be themselves. And then you start realizing, oh, there's a lot of us going through this shit. We yeah. can on this. 
That's real shit. And, and I'm gonna hit on that, right? Um, you said be vulnerable, it's, it's cool, find somebody to talk to. My yeah. shit is, it's, it's cool to be different. Yeah. It's cool to be different. Like, bro, you see everybody with every, like, it's cool to be yourself. You ain't gotta be the out, like, really embody who you are and as a person, right? Like you say, um, I'm a fucking connector to the core. Like, I meet people, I connect, bring them together. So, like, me being vulnerable, I wrote an article not not long ago, um, maybe like two years ago, but I posted maybe a year ago. Um, it's called Suffering in Silence. You know, yeah, talking yeah. about my episode at Purdue, right? But based off that, I had so many hit people, like you say, hit me up. And I even got invited to speak at a university where I used to work at to really talk about mental health, like what it's done for me and how students need to be able to do certain things to take care of themselves, right? Because being vulnerable, uh, Brene Brown, right? She's made a living off being vulnerable. Not saying you wanna monetize yourself being vulnerable, all your stories. But if we think about today's society, there's so many entrepreneurs creating based off their lives. So you can really change your life with opening up to people, right? Um, giving people um, inspiration, right? I, I have friends tell me all the time, like, yo, you're an inspiration. And then it fucks me up and I gotta remind myself, like, yeah, you are dope. But then I gotta always ask them, like, why do you think I'm an inspiration? So I know, right? One, it allows me to keep doing what I'm doing, right? I'm gonna do it regardless, but when you hear it from your closest friends that, that people really see what you're trying to do or see what you're doing, there's no greater reward, like when you think about success, Yes, money brings other things, but money ain't everything, right? You can have all the money in the world. You hear it all the time. Some of the people with the most money in the world are miserable. I'm happiest when I'm impacting those closest to me, right? My friends, my family. It's nothing like starting something and bringing somebody along with you versus starting something and saying, hey, I'm doing this. You can come hang out with me for a little while, right? My man, Dave, on one of his tracks he put out during COVID said he needed a chef so he hired his cousin, right? Bringing people along on a journey with you. Me and one of my best friends from childhood growing up, talking about doing different things. I started the nonprofit, he, showing him or helping him, like just motivating him, hey, cause you're doing this. He started his little league football team, right? It's, we motivate each other. And I don't think because we don't tell enough of the backstory, and I think we touched on it a little bit before, you don't always get people the full picture. They see that iceberg effect. You see this shit on the surface, but you don't see this shit underneath. Oh. Four of us need to start talking about the underneath versus the surface. Surface is cool. You wasn't with Kobe shooting in the gym? <laughs> Let's talk about Kobe shooting in the gym. Uh, Dr. Dre's wife, two, uh, $2 million a month. $2 million, $900,000 entertainment per month? I wonder what the entertainment is. That's what I want. I want to know, bro. It got to be a, a cheetahs and panthers, tigers walking around your living room or something. Like, I just want to know what the entertainment is because that got to be some fire ass entertainment. Hundred thousand a month. Prince got to be playing my fucking concerts in your living room from the dead. He better come back and perform, bro. Like who the fuck's performing, nigga? Michael Jackson, Whitney Houston, and Prince better be in there performing, nigga. Alive and well, like kicking and having shots of tequila and shit. Like nothing ever happened. They better. 
900,000 a month on entertainment. Like, what, what the fuck do you really do entertainment $900,000 a month? Like, I put it, we was in a group and talking about it, the village, of course. Um, they put it in our, my, my quote was rich people problems. You, I mean, you're right. It ain't none of my business. It's rich, but it's funny to talk about. <laughs> $900,000? What? Wait a minute, wait a minute. Nicole Young, do they have kids? I believe so. Okay, but $69,000 a month for education? <laughs> bro, they're they, they, they not rich. Them niggas is wealthy, bro. We can't relate. <laughs> we can't relate, my nigga. <laughs> I'm rich in spirit. It's just something that, bro, they got six kids, dog. $69,000 a month for, for education. Well, his kids are probably older, too, though. Bro. I don't give a fuck if his kids was was uh fifteen, sixty nine thousand dollars a month for education, <laughs> bro. Like, like let's let's literally go through her demand. Okay, one of them passed away in two thousand eight, unfortunately. One of respect them. to the kid. We won't talk about the kids in that matter. Yeah. Um, but let's see. Hey, dog. We broke as hell because I probably spend about fifty dollars a month on entertainment, nigga. I'm not spending that much. Nine hundred thousand, <laughs> bro. But watch this. She says she wants sixty percent too, on top of what he's getting. Damn. Like, where the fuck is this list at? I want this list, bro. That's wild as hell, yo. <laughs> like, I want to see this shit. Let's break this shit down. Like, where the fuck is this shit? The internet. So him, and, so him and that wife, they have two kids together. $69,000 a month for education. And they have two kids together. And the kids are, the, the two kids are 23 and 19. I know you ain't paying child support then. <laughs> they old now, bro. So, so what school are they going to? What college? Because if my dad's that rich, did I? If my dad dad is that rich, do you think I'm going to college? Like, let's 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 really be real. Like, Diddy's son went to go play football at UCLA. I don't know why he left the team. Snoop's son went to play football at UCLA, left the team. Because like, they can afford to leave the team. They ain't have to care about it. Bingo. So if I'm Dr. Dre's son or daughter, my dad's the creator of fucking beats. You really think? <laughs> do you really think I'm going to college, nigga? I'm taking, I'm doing some fucking internships at Nike, at fucking Apple, at all of that, taking advantage and starting a business early as shit, yo. Bro. Hey, I ain't gonna fuck, nigga, college. Fuck that. <laughs> bro, her shit. Like, bro, I, you asked for fucking two, two million a month? But you know what's funny? But you know what's funny? I bet that nigga can afford it and it won't even hurt him for real. No, not at all. He'll get royalties off beats, all that shit. His deal out. We also He's a don't billionaire. Know, we also don't know what has truly happened in the relationship. Like he may have been a real fuck nigga in that relationship. I mean, you've seen pieces of it in NWA, right? He was whooping people in. He was whooping women in there. But I will say that. So I'm never con condemning all that. No. At what point will you let? When you realize, like, all right, somebody's changed and they're not doing that. No, and it's it's never going to be a good thing that in, anytime you put your hands on a woman. But at some point, you got to be like, that's 30 years ago. 
But then again, who the fuck am I to say that? Because I'm not a woman and I've never been hit. So I don't know how that shit feels. You know what I'm saying? And, and we'll say this too. It doesn't always have to be physical abuse, right? Um, you have oh, no, yeah, I wasn't saying that it was just physical. But that's what I'm saying. He could have been a true fuck boy. He could have been cheating on her. He could have just been just been a whole husband and never been there for her. Maybe, we don't know that she may have had, may have lost some babies. True that we don't know about and he could have just been like well i'm traveling and he couldn't be there for her when she's going through whatever she's going through yo so he could have really been a horrible ass husband whatever and that's that's why like you said rich people problems we can't relate rich people problems well we i don't think we understand how rich this nigga really is bro like how rich he truly is bro her her entertainment was nine (laughs) hundred thousand. But watch this, her mortgage was 100000 They heard that much more than her mortgage. <laughs> I mean, God damn, woman. Well, we really are broke compared to them, bro. We are broke as shit. God damn. Rich people problems, right? Oh, you my God. You spend a million a month between your crib and your entertainment. Like, she got to be eating fucking. They must have went out to the ocean and got free Willie out of there. Filleted his shit, brought him back same day. She had she, she mariachi bands over here. Um, Nigga, Seal is over here singing. What was that song from Space Jam? <laughs> that Seal singing in the background. You got Chris Rock doing doing comedy here. Nigga, free. You whip. got David Letterman Wait. on the late night tip still. <laughs> like what? Nine hundred. Like. Let's really like. And then there's Prince walking in too, and he's walking in alive and well, singing, singing "Purple Rain." <laughs> you got you got Paul Walker, uh, my man from Fast and the Furious, showing you the next movie that ain't even came out yet. In her. Paul Walker showing you Fast and the Furious twenty four, <laughs> right? Like nine hundred k a month. Dog, that's a <laughs> Paul Walker's over here showing you the advanced copy that comes out. 2041 talking about shh, don't don't hey don't tell nobody about this okay Bruh. <laughs> we'll, ne- we'll never know what them problems is like <laughs> and let me not put that in the atmosphere because you never know what we could do to turn into what nine hundred thousand a month bruh first of all fuck paying her just pay all of our student loans my nigga like that's bad hey bro my shit uh Dr. Drake, call me. I'll tell you how much my shit is uh, in person when we breaking bread and you thinking about considering my shit. But until like, then, bro, bro um, if you bring me a Range Rover, I'm going to sell it for that same amount so I can pay my shit off. He could take that to the judge and be like, look, instead of giving her $900,000, what if I help a lot of young black people pay off their college loans? The judge might be like, you know what? I like what you're talking about. You don't have to give her all that alibi. Just pay for these young black men to get out of debt. Pick me, pick me, pick me, pick Bruh, me. That's helping society, yo. Whoever the judge is in this case, help Andre Young out so he can pay off our student loans, yo. Straight, hey, judge, if you like uh, Hennessy, <laughs> call me. Uh, I swear we'll Henny dance together. All that. Um, Keep a black man out of jail. And I promise pay. you, all that. Like, I need help. 
I ain't too proud to beg people, yo. Robbing, like I'm robbing Peter to pay Paul. Ain't that what they say in the old school days? Uh, you are such an old black person. <laughs> <laughs> you heard robbing Peter to pay Paul. Look at you. Look, look, look. You take it out of this. Like dead ass, bro. Like Dr. Dre. If you want to help two young black men that are trying to make a difference, uh, 8844, uh, KMP, like, talk to us, man. We, we, Hennessy, if you want to sponsor this, <laughs> like, we're going to get traction one day. You want to be a part of this, right? And matter of fact, I, I, I don't want to get up from behind the candle, but I got a bottle of Hennessy Pure White. So, Hennessy, I don't want this. I want the Pure White. If you want to sponsor us one day, like, I, I want to be that guy to just drink out the bottle right now, but I ain't going to do that. Just cover our liquor bill. Just cover our liquor bill for the month. That can help us to help other young people to stay out of jail, oh, get into right. school. Come on. Hey, kids. Hennessy, are y'all listening? We need both of y'all. Come on. We need you. Kids, you need to be responsible. 21 or older. 21. Like, I don't care. Times have changed, all that shit. 21. A wise man once said, teen drinking is very bad. Who is that guy, if they know? Like, let's, let's say this. First person who watches this video that can <laughs> tell us uh, teen drinking is very bad, our next bottle, your next bottle, will sponsor. Will you like that deal? Bruh, yeah. So whoever just randomly DMs us, texts one of us something, and gives us the answer to who said teen drinking is very bad, I got you. We got you. We will give. We, we will, will sponsor your next bottle one Friday or Saturday. You're gonna have to send us your cash out, whatnot. But we will sponsor your next bottle. Should I make this part part of the trailer? That might cheat. That means we got to make sure they listen to this whole thing. Then that mean I think you do do that, right? You motivate them to give them some like. My fuckers like to drink. It's COVID. You can't go too many places. I need a bar, <laughs> bruh. I ain't going to tell y'all how much, when I looked at my budget, how much I've spent over the last couple of months, my monthly bill <laughs> on alcohol since March, like, since March, my part of it also is because I'm trying all, out all these little drink cocktails, trying to make drinks for my cookbook and stuff, but, nigga, <laughs> uh, when you said nigga, nigga when you said nigga, I knew this tab was real. Like when, when somebody hits you with the nigga, nigga, hey, listen up, cause this shit finna get real, Bruh, Uh, pause it, nigga. <laughs> this nigga, my this, I said it again, nigga. <laughs> this, <laughs> bro, I'm looking at my budget and shit. How much I spent on liquor, cause you know, like I'm with uh, I ain't gonna say the bank, cause I don't want no hackers to try to trap me. But my specific. <laughs> It'll show you on the app and the website like how much you spend on certain categories or whatever. And <laughs> my the, what I spend on alcohol pre-COVID and during COVID is fucking huge difference. <laughs> huge goddamn difference. And I'm part of me is like embarrassed and ashamed, but most of me is like whatever. <laughs> what what I say is my motto. Fuck it. I don't know. <laughs> Fuck it. Fuck it. Like, most of me, like only 10% of me is like, damn, Will, you probably shouldn't be spending all this. 90% of me is like, <laughs> Fuck it. I don't get it. <laughs> it's right? um, But I'm looking at that shit. It's definitely way more than it was in, in January. It's totally different than fucking August. That's all I'm 
It's totally different. Man, like we bust our ass, bro. If you want to go get you a bottle, and, and guess what? You buying bottles is going to help me when it comes to cooking because this cookbook shit you got going is finna pop off, right? Tell them about the cookbook. Don't, don't, don't just mention it. Tell them about it. Oh, yeah. So, people, we out here for the culture. You know what I'm saying? Uh, the mission is to keep the culture alive and to um, make sure people are entertained and having fun. So, yeah, it's a cookbook, 12 recipes. With each recipe, I provide you a playlist of music. Um, I've provided links to playlists on Spotify, Tidal, and Apple Music. Nigga, y'all know how long it takes adding these songs to playlists on every streaming service, bro. Like, some of, <laughs> nigga, some of these playlists, I got 200 songs on there. So just sitting adding songs, bro, that's some work. And then I got, um, so it's 12, uh, 12 recipes, 12 playlists. Each playlist was made specifically and curated for that recipe. And then I have three trivia games as well and a murder mystery uh, line as well. So the trivia games, I provide you a link to Kahoot to play it. And I also give you the uh, actual questions and uh, answer bank in a PDF file. And you get the murder mystery as well. So it's four games, it's music. Bro, tell these folks how much this thing is so they can buy it. Oh, so (laughs) this nigga. So it's pre-orders out here for the streets, you know what I'm saying? until uh, I'm dropping it on September 20th. So before that, if you order it now, it's only $10. Um, if you do it after the pre-order, it's going to be $25. Listen here, you think your, your dusty ass finna go spend $20 this week on fast food. Buy two copies. Buy one for you and give one to your homeboy. Give one to your homegirl. That's what I'm going to do. $20. Right? And, and the first person who tell us the name that said teen drinking is very bad. Like, we... We are actually sponsoring you, so help us, right? We help, are here. Help doing, me help you. We're doing dope shit. Help us help you, right? Uh, we here. Support the niggas in the culture, bro. We really trying to keep the culture alive and move the culture forward, bro. Further the culture, yo. That's, That's it. We trying to do. That's it. Um, word, word on the street is. <laughs> word on the street is. What they talking about? Word on the street, like I said earlier. They talk about nonsense on social media. <laughs> Fuck them. So, oh no. So, yeah. come across the post. So, we got about two more little segments left, y'all. We gonna we gonna leave y'all with about two, three more segments. So, I did. Uh, I was listening to a podcast, and they was talking about their favorite songs from the years between two thousand and two thousand five. Like, what's the best song? So, oh, shit. change it a little bit and do because we were talking about this earlier off the podcast. Yeah. Favorite artists. So, who favorite art? Name three to five artists who you think was just on fire from two thousand. Anytime between two thousand and two thousand nine. Two thousand and two thousand nine. Yeah, name three to like. Who's just some artists that you were like, man? It All right. Same without. I'ma say one big one, and people gonna laugh, do whatever. But this little motherfucker, without him, you two wouldn't be who, who what it is. Soldier Boy. I didn't know you about to say Soldier Boy. I already know. <laughs> I knew you like, about to say Soldier Boy. Like, dead ass. You, you have to give it to him. Um, Me, because was, he was, so I will say to oh, Soldier Boy first before we move on. Yeah. He was one of those first artists that really took advantage of social media. Yeah, he cracked the code. 
Now, he couldn't rap for shit. He could not rap for shit. He was that because I remember freshman year of college was I got to uh, college fall 06. That was when we first heard of Soldier Boy. And I'm thinking, oh, don't nobody know who this nigga is. He's probably trash. Anybody listening to what? him? Home for a uh, fall break and then winter break. And all the high schoolers was fucking middle schoolers and high I did not know he was that big. I thought that only like a couple people in college knew who he was. But I went home for fall break and winter break, nigga. They was off of him. And my, my little cousin was like, Will, Soldier Boy's huge. Everybody loves Soldier Boy. And I was shocked, yo. It is. Like, I was Boy, shocked. There's no, let me say this. I'll give Soldier Boy credit for this, too. There's no streaming services without Soldier Boy. There's no, because he cracked the code with YouTube streaming. And ringtones. And ringtones. Yes. Right? Um, side note, plug. If you had the old Nokia back in the day where you could type in the ringtones, oh, you was hot shit. Right? <laughs> so we got Soulja Boy. Um, 2000 to 2009, you got to give Wayne some play in there because Wayne hit lollipop. Not just some. That was the, right. that, that was the decade oh, that yeah. uh, mixtape Wayne, the yeah. uh, No Silly started. Right. I think No came out, and let's see when No Silly's came out, though. I don't know if it came out. Okay, if you ain't going to do no ceilings, you got all the drought series. But I'm just saying, though, also, yeah, no ceilings came out Halloween 2009. So that's right there on the cusp. Come on, right? You got Lil Wayne, Wayne dominated the 2000s, bruh. Okay, so let, let me give you not an artist, but a, a, a prominent figure in hip-hop culture, no matter wherever you look at it. All right, 2000 to 2009, who had a thumbprint on, on hip-hop music in general? You gotta give it to DJ Drama. Oh man, yo, he was doing everybody's mixtapes, bro. Gangsta Grills. If you didn't have a Gangsta Grills mixtape at one point, right? And, and this is not an artist, but I'm giving it to a DJ because his thumbprint on music at that time was just. Uh, if you had a Gangsta Grills mixtape, like we all got Gangsta Grills, you bastards! Like that shit. When you heard that, when you heard that drop on a track, you like, okay. Because even um, Trap or Die, Jeezy's first album was a Gangsta Grills before it was an album. Right. Hell yeah. I'm with you, bro. I'm, so, I'm with you, dog. So if I'm going to give you three, just, just and, and you can go to greats, all that shit. But if I'm talking three figures in hip hop, influential. Influential, right? DJ Drama, mixtape. Like, there was no fucking Apple Music, none of that. You was getting on live mixtapes or Dat Piff. HotNewHipHop.com, shout out. HotNewHipHop.com. Hey, if y'all want to fuck with us, like, you got some old heads music-wise. Hot New Hip Hop, live mixtapes, Dat Piff. Like, fuck with us. Like, we fuck with music and we fuck with you, so fuck with us. Fuck with us. Like, dead ass. Like, kids nowadays... I still get on. I still get on live mixtapes daily. I still got a live mixtape account. I still. I got the live mixtapes app on my oh, phone. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. I do all the time and listen to an old J Cole mixtape. Come on, Wale. Uh, Whisk Taylor. What Taylor Allardyce by uh, Wiz Khalifa. Not even that. Cushion orange juice. I, oh yeah, I still get on live mixtapes, bro. I'm still. What? Like, 
you would tell a kid live mixtapes now and then, they would look at you like, what is that? No, you know, no, no, they know live mixtapes. Like the hip hop, really? the hip hop heads, the youngest, they know. Because okay. okay. live mixtapes is bigger now than it was then, actually. They know. But that's yeah. like Secret Home. Like you can go back and still get that Friday Night Lights mixtape, right? Whoa. Forever in a day, Big Crit still on live mixtapes. When I want to listen to Big Crit uh, rotation, that bruh. old school ride forever. When I, I'm just rotating my ties, rotating my ties. That is fire as hell. So that beat talking about. I got another art. I got an artist for the from 2000 to 2009. Okay. Me, this artist released at least three classics between 2000 and 2009. Three. That's a decent, a classic. So, listen, for me, I think it's three classics and one really dope album. Okay. Six and a dope album. Kanye West. College Dropout. Give it to him. College Dropout was a classic. Late Registration was a classic. Graduation was damn near a classic, and then to me, 808 to Heartbreak was a classic because it Ooh. influenced so many young rappers that became huge stars. So, without Kanye and like 808 to Heartbreak and stuff, there wouldn't be a Drake, bro. Like, he also, like, off of that, it was Big Shine coming from that era as well, yo. Like, Wiz Khalifa even said that college dropout, uh, college dropout, and uh, eight hundred eight to heartbreak. Inspired. Frank Ocean said the same thing, bro. Like Kid Cudi was one of the he the offspring. Write a lot of the songs on eight hundred eight to heartbreak. So without Kanye from those two thousands, bro, it and Kanye also was part of one of the best rap draft classes of all time. Him, uh, Jeezy. Rick Ross and the game came out in the same era, bro. The game, listen to these five million first album. Five million first album. Five million, the documentary. Five million first album. Five million, bro. I'm bro, listen, these artists are from the same draft class, the same era. The game, Jeezy, Ross, and Kanye, nigga. Those are Hall of Famers. Hall of Fame. And and the dope thing is, is that Chuck don't rap as much as he used to. Right. Like, Chuck just be on. Chuck is Chuck. Chuck do the game it. be tripping sometimes. Chuck do Chuck shit, right? When you think of the word Chuck, you think of Charles Barkley. Chuck do Chuck shit. <laughs> Chuck gonna be Chuck. <laughs> Niggas gonna need. Niggas gonna need y'all. Ross still gives you big boy bars, right? Our beats. And what he said? Elegant rap. <laughs> Elegant rap. He gives you like movie score. It's like movie score. Martin Scorsese. Yeah. Martin Scorsese on the track. Yes. Jeezy, Jeezy has did what he needed to do. Jeezy came in the game, gave you real still shit. doing it, but he did what he had to do. Yeah. Did what he had to do, and Jeezy's corporate now, right? Yeah. He, Jeezy don't have to be Jeezy no more. Jeezy. <laughs> Jeezy. <laughs> Jeezy <gone> Jeezy. <laughs> like dead ass. The, the, <laughs> The person that we need to pull back, but but we see pieces of him, and I'm gonna be personal with this one, right? When I saw Kanye do this whole Jesus moves thing, right? The Jesus choir, Sunday service choir, all that. As a as a I'm gonna say as a spiritual person, because Christianity, how it's practiced and things all the time, I don't I always align with it. My personal belief, um, but for whatever reason. I looked at Kanye and I almost judged him 
and I had to catch myself. Yeah. Because I see him doing it, and then I feel like Kanye sometimes knows how to manipulate the media with his mental health and things, right? And I didn't want to look at him as him saving himself. Are you doing this just as propaganda? Or are you really your person right now, right? Um, and I struggled with that early on, like the music is fire, right? And the music helps me with my spiritual sense because I can't get into a physical location of a church right now. There's music that I can put on when I need to get in my spiritual place and, and practice my faith. Yeah. It helps me. And he even said it on one of the songs, the Christian is going to be the first one to judge me. And I had to catch myself because I'm like, here this man is turning a new leaf in his life. Is this moment real or is this propaganda? And that ain't my place. So yes, yay. When you talk music, like the sample game that Ye came in, Through the Wire, the Shaka Khan, the Heart of the City, um, Jay-Z's Blueprint album, like Never Change, Song Cry. Like and these, then even on the R&B side from the, he produced a lot R&B, with Brandy, Luther Vandross, Keisha Cole, Luther Vandross, Brandy, he's producing right. a lot that side as well. Like he was influential on both sides and he inspired a lot of, artists who are like even the channels and stuff too he 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 inspired a lot of the artists who are huge now in the 2010s and stuff that became big stars and he also was behind a lot of the big hits for jay-z which is considered a lot not a lot not a lot bro not a lot at all i'm talking about when you talk about jay-z and kanye that whole rockefeller run that was yay Jay-Z and Kanye, I said this earlier about when I was talking about Dom Kennedy. Even Tupac. Jay-Z and Kanye to me is like D-Wade and LeBron, bro. That, Miami. Oh, my God. That's D-Wade and LeBron, Miami, bro. Like, that shit. Or maybe they Shaq and Kobe. I don't know. Like, maybe Jay-Z and Pharrell might be Shaq and Kobe. I don't know, bro, because, like, who, like, Jay-Z and Timbaland, Jay-Z and Pharrell, Jay-Z and Just Blaze. Or Jay-Z, Jay-Z Rick Rubin. Bro, which one are you picking, dog? Like, like when you, I, I said Jay, I said Jay and Ye was like Shug and Pop. Like they hash, but the relationship, like when you talk about Big Brother, Little Brother, right? I think we'll never get that relationship again because of things that Kanye did on stage. Bruh, and it sucks to know that we're not going to ever get another Watch the Throne. I'm just, it disappoints me, dog. The Otis, we talk about samples. Oh, it makes it easier. Which, hold on. Do you remember what movie a young R&B artist sung that same song in? No, I don't. Otis sample. I don't. I'm going to be real. Uh, Chris Brown in This Christmas. He sung. Oh, and This Christmas. No, not this, well, not the song This Christmas, but he sung Otis in This Christmas. It makes it easy when all his brothers and sisters Found out that he could actually sing when he snuck out. Oh yeah! Oh yeah! yeah. He was singing that Otis song. Yeah. Uh, I remember uh, that 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 this Christmas at the end, bro. Like that's one person. Like when you think, if you think influence R and B early, like was he even out? Like, dude. dude Chris Brown came out. out when I was. Chris Brown came out oh five. That's when he first dropped. Dude, that, that first album with that popping on her? Yeah, Chris Brown. Think about it. Chris Brown has been making hits now for 15 years consistently, yo. Like, no matter what time of the year it is, he always has, like, one song that is popping, yo. He just that, has 
one song no matter what. And that go crazy go hard. That go crazy. Like I be in here trying to do the little dance he did, like the tick tick chip in the middle of like I be in here trying to do that shit. Like he like like we talk about people changing. Like he had a very bad situation, you know, him and Rihanna, but the man Fucked made up. it yeah. very bad, right? He changed. And and that was my thing, like looking at Yay with this situation, tying it back in was like, who am I to judge this man? Because we've all done things. But that music brings me back, right? And I don't think we'll ever get Vintage Jay again. Uh, people go off the deep end with. Yeah, I think we done with the we done with classic Yay. Unfortunately, we'll say. Yeah. Possible album he came out with. It's musically, it's really good. Just like musically, like this the the sounds the, the singing. Yeah. The instrumentals, like it's it's really dope. I enjoyed it, but I will say, as a person who grew up in a church, a person who grew up religious, who's very spiritual, most of the songs I wasn't like feeling connected spiritually with. There was like probably three songs that I felt like praising God to, but most of it just felt like music. It didn't feel it felt like R and B or pop. It didn't feel like. So, what's your three songs? Songs, not artists. No, your three songs on that on that uh, oh, on that Sunday album. service or Jesus is Lord. I'm gonna tell you for me, the one that gets me every time is that more than anything. That oh, lady, that bro. lady, he sings on that, bro. Like me and one of my guys in my book club, like that's one of the songs in the morning that I will play consistently. Like yes, the 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 beat, the synthesizing that is used on her, but that lady just singing. You feel her singing that. Yeah. Right? And for me, that awakens that spirit in me. Yes. Uh, now, I'm totally with you on that. More than anything, also, because that was a song that when I was in the youth choir as a kid, we used to sing that song, too. Okay. Like, that same song when I was a kid. So I love that. I love On Jesus is Born. I love uh, Rain. That's my song. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It's so, bro. It's so beautiful, yo. I love rain, yeah. but I love Father Stretch, bro. That Father Stretch my hand, bro. That shit is beautiful. And I'm saying that about this song. God know your heart. Don't don't apologize. God know your heart. It's beautiful though, yo. Like I I love that song. I love Weak. Mm. It's great. Like it's it's a really it's really good music. I just hated that Kanye has become such a a characterization of himself. He's just such a character now, and it's not about it's not about the music at all. It's just about the controversy and all of that. It's just so crazy to see somebody that inspired you so much at a young age become this. It's just, and that, that's sometimes that's life, man, and that's how you know you're getting older. But it's just when you was when I was fucking fifteen, sixteen. And hearing Through the Wire, I remember still hearing Through the Wire for the first time in my life. It was on Rap City in the basement with Tigger. Tigger. And drums? Bruh, it's, I just, when I first heard it and when I first learned about Kanye, that was the first, Jay-Z's my favorite rapper of all time, but Kanye was the first rapper that I heard that I could relate to. Because all the other rappers was talking about, like, drugs and everything. I didn't relate to that shit. But yeah. They will come out and rap, and I'm like, oh, I can understand this shit. The beats, the soul samples, 
and he could rap. Like Kanye really could. All the way through for Kanye, all the way through probably 808 to Heartbreak and a little bit of um, uh, Dark Twisted Fantasy, he was rapping. He had lyrics. And then at some some point, he just didn't have it anymore. But hearing all of that and being so inspired, like that's what inspired my creativity, my to be happy with trying to create all this different shit and seeing what he's become now. It's just kind of sad because maybe he wouldn't have become that if his mother didn't pass away. You know, maybe he wouldn't have become that if he didn't become such a huge star. Yeah. He would not become that if he didn't marry Kim Kardashian because when he became one of the Kardashians, it took him from being a famous dope rapper to just being a pop star and famous for no reason, just for any silly ass shit or whatever. So it's just weird to see where before when white people wasn't gone off of Kanye, he was good. But when white people got hold of Kanye, this shit has happened. And I'm not gonna sit here and just blame it on white people because he makes his own decisions. But I'm just saying, man, back in the day, it was different. So people just like evolve. Do you feel like Ye still got soul in him? Oh yeah, it's that shit ain't gonna leave, but he may just not release it no more. He might have all these fire-ass, soulful-ass songs that we've never heard, dog. Like, when, when they did the Rick Ross versus, versus uh, 2 Chainz. That unreleased verse? And he was like, this is an unreleased Kanye song. And I've heard unreleased Kanye songs. And I'm like, Kanye got so many dope-ass songs that we might never hear. But I think he can still make some. Like, we was just talking about Jesus is Born. That's some soulful music. But yeah. I don't think they we're going to hear. I think... I'm, I'm pretty. I'm ninety percent sure the best of Kanye is behind us. Unfortunately, the best oh, of. Sure. I keep. I'm one of the only people that have tried to long for hope that <laughs> who Kanye is and that he's gonna go back to this. But now I'm. I'm at the place now. And I know this is Kanye, and we're not going back to the Kanye that I fell in love with. And that's. It's weird because I don't. We don't know him personally, but it's kind of like a person that you maybe have fell in love with at 23 and they were such a dope person and now the person that they've become at 30, you just, you like, who, I don't know her. I can't relate. You're shitty. And now Kanye, nigga, I don't know who you are no more, bro. And it sucks because we don't know what this nigga done went through. We don't know what kind of shit they go through, but. Mind it, you. Uh, this nigga's talking about running for president. It's just weird. I'm drinking this shit and I got to teach tomorrow morning, bro. Cheers. <laughs> Well, I don't have to go into the office anymore. I'm working remote, and it's not leaving like I got to be on there in a certain time. I just, when I log on, I log Cut it on. Yeah, I got to be in the classroom at 9 o'clock in the morning. Cheers to but, So on this last topic, talking about my cookbook earlier or whatnot. Sure. So what meal means, like, a lot to you? Like, something that somebody important to you cooked or a meal that you ate growing up, it can be from a restaurant, it can be something that your parents would cook, that's something that you learned how to cook. What's a meal that means a lot to you and why? And then, and then hold on, and then on that, I want you to think about what songs can you relate to that time period in your life also? Like what one song, two songs, however many songs you can think, or an artist, it doesn't even have to be a particular song, it can be an artist as well. But what meal and then what artist or song 
can relate from that era of your life? Can I say a, a, a dish versus a song, a versus a full meal? Yeah, like yeah I can yeah, tell you yeah, all type of meals. Cool. Yeah, um, one dish or something. Fried corn, man. Why fried, fried corn? Why um, fried white cream corn? My mom, because one, she doesn't cook a lot no more. Her health isn't the best. Um, but I can think back to the times when she did used to make it. I was very young and I was innocent. I was young. I was free of life. Um, and, and things were, were good. You know, you didn't see all the chaos and things. So for me, my mom as a kid, you know, she would make fried corn and I can remember her probably making it with some, you may have some cabbage with it. Um, and then probably like, um, I'm probably say she was either making some type of beef or chicken with it. Um, but fried corn, she don't make it no more. And it's something that I long for that I don't get. And because I'm 12 hours away in Texas, when I go home uh, over the years, our relationship ain't as strong as it used to be. Like when I go home, I don't be over her house a whole bunch, whereas I stay over my dad's because uh, me and him have that relationship. So it's a meal that when I go home, like me and my dad last time I went home, we barbecued together and that was just like a dope moment. But I want I want to learn how to make that fried corn because I remember like that shit was oh my gosh, bro. When you think of how when you think of you smelling it or recognizing that your mother's cooking that, what kind of like memories come to mind? Man, I'm smiling. I'm in the kitchen. I can't wait to eat it, right? As a kid, like when you when you have those things that you like, those things that you know familiar, it brings a sense of happiness, man. I know mom's is cooking something. Like as a black kid, you know, growing up, if you don't want to eat what mom cooking, you're gonna go to bed hungry, you're gonna find something in that fridge. Which is a topic for another day, because it's low-key fucked up, but that's a topic for another day. Oh, <laughs> um, but I knew I was gonna eat dinner that night. Like, I don't care what you cook. There's cream corn on the stove, fried corn. I'm finna grub tonight, right? Um, so that 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 for me, um, I'm not even gonna throw no other meals out. But fried corn, man, my mom used to put it in the stove. Yellow corn, white corn. Oh. sauce with it. And I'm telling you, like, bruh, I, to, ha to have that one dish, in my repertoire, and it's like how I went home and asked my father, yo, teach me how to make the ribs and really sitting there and learning it. And my first time grilling ribs like my pops, like when I tell you I got it down, my sister came over, my auntie came over and ate and was like, yo, who cooked these? And he was like, yo, he did. And they like, yo, okay. Like you good, don't <laughs> what? Like, yeah, you start beating your chest and shit. Right. He that moment right there doesn't compare to that feeling as a kid when I knew my mom was making that cream fried corn. Man, fried corn, yo. So can you think of an artist or a couple songs that you can think about? What When you think of fried corn in that era of your life, what artists or songs come to mind? Music Soul Child, man. My mom was always playing music. My mom was always playing music. Um, Which era of music Soul Child, though? Like the... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, let's see. I remember... I okay. okay, let me even give you another one. I remember we used to have a, a free concert at the fairgrounds, right? Yep. Thomas, Summer Rain. Summer Rain. Boy. In the 
Mira! <laughs> Hell no, dog. <laughs> Hell yeah, though, man. Right? Um, that era, that Carl Thomas Summerain, that's a top-notch, that's a damn near perfect song, bro. Summerain. Right? That makes, like, that makes you want to fall in love during the summer when it's raining. That's think the, of, like, as a kid, I think about music in my life, and I know where we're getting at right now. Music has been a constant that has provided me peace, Yep. It's provided me solace. Yep. It's giving me motivation. It's giving me energy. It's giving me creativity. Right? You take music away, you take me away. Yep. Music is an outlet for me to find mechanisms to relieve stress. Like, right? If I was to cut on my lights right here, you can't see them right now. This should be dope. And I might do it, but we turn off the episode just so people can see. Um, Music allows me to set a vibe to who relax, you know, come back to take all the pressure off of it. Music is something that it's a language of life. Yep. It's a language of life. So um, two songs and, and let me just throw one more out because I was younger um, and my siblings shout out to them for turning me on. Monica, man. Wow. Oh. Don't take it personal, bro. <laughs> My favorite singer of all time. For so, real. Like, me and Keitha, uh, shout out to Keitha. We're going to get on this episode together. But she she had Brandy here. And, you know, I wrote on her DMs like, yo, Monica finna wash her shit, bro. And you cannot like, disrespect Brandy. I'm not disrespecting her, bro. But Monica. I'm just saying, you can't say anything negative about no, Brandy. You can't. The you boy. Can't. All right, so let me ask you, who got the better song? The boy is mine. Who like sung it better? Yeah. I'm not even gonna pick it. I'm not gonna put them <laughs> Fuck that. I'm not putting them against <laughs> Fuck that. But I will say I do go back and listen to Brandy more than I listen to Monica. Okay. To say that Monica's not as good, but it's just two different types of music. And yeah. I guess I might just relate a little bit more to Brandy's style of music, I guess. You can't you I love what you did, though, right? Uh, that's like that Jill Scott and Erica Badu battle. They both have discographies and music. Brandy, yep. Brandy played Cinderella. Imagine what that was like for Black culture when she played Cinderella. I remember that shit, bro. Right? Um, you, you, you have to give Brandy her just due, just as you have to give it to Monica. You can't take off. That, that first album, you know, Angel of Mine, uh, Don't Take It Personal. Like, yep. Monica, she has hits. Like, both of them have hits. I think somebody said it on there. We would love to see a Brandy and Monica tour. That's a tour that I would pay money for. Like, as a guy. I'll, I'll go to that shit, bro. If I'm single, I don't give a fuck. I'm in there, like, hands in the air. Oh, because I got love. I'm in there throwing hard, bro. Like, oh shit! I'm in there having a good time because when we think about music, music makes you feel a certain way. So does. Both of them have songs that can take you through a range, and when I say a range of emotions, yep. Uh, Monica said it on the song "Kick Down Your Dough," like the kick dough type chick, <laughs> right? Brandy got. Brandy got songs with, and I don't, I ain't even, 
Brandy got songs. Yep. Yeah. And then Brandy, watch this. She transcended TV from a young age. Moesha. Ain't it wild when you talk about both of them? They've both been in the spotlight and famous since they was like 14, bro. That's crazy. Monica first album dropped at 15. I can tell you all about Monica. But she th- she recorded that album when she was 14, dog. She was singing like that at 14. That's crazy. Mm. Shout out to them that they were child stars and they both out really good. Cause it's a lot. My man Macaulay Culkin. He went through a whole fucking lot. A whole lot, right? He's on the other side now. He's good now. <laughs> man, he Drew Barrymore. Like they went through some shit. Like Britney Spears. White child stars go through shit, bro. Cause black parents be around. What they be saying that black parents don't be like, look, I don't give a fuck you got this fame or not. You better get your shit together. Like, dog, they went through some shit, dog. Yeah. So we've been on her about, god dang, we've been on her about three hours. It's all good, bro. That's what um, we do. So what you got to say for the culture, bro? Like, leave us something with something that inspirational, but also something that can give people a purpose, bro. Man, uh, love your brothers and sisters, right? Uh, we living in a day and age where we're seeing people come together, working with one another, support more, one another more often. Um, my piece of advice is find your purpose, right? For me, um, Brianna Taylor woke me up to advocate for a lot of shit, right? Um, so for me, start to collaborate with your peers, man. Um, come off your high horse, come down from your glass house, really get back in the trenches, uh, give back no matter where you are, you know, make sure you're giving a platform to those who need the platform, utilizing your connections, your resources. Um, shout out to Finish Line for doing something great back home in Louisville, Kentucky. Uh, shout out to Sowing Seeds with Faith, a great organization back home uh, in Louisville, Kentucky, impacting the youth. So for me, man, really start moving in your purpose, whatever that is, helping you find your purpose. Collaborate with your peers. Black men, start loving black men. Black. Black women, start loving black women. Dissect all the hate, and it's easy to say that shit, right? Um, but really embody that shit. Black love, we are the culture. We own this shit, and without us, white America doesn't have shit. You take away music. You take away athletes. You take away um, entertainment, right? You take away Chadwick Boseman. Rest in peace, guys. Rest in peace, this man, right? You, you, you take away Black Panther from these people. And imagine what Black Panther did for the culture when it came out. We are the culture. Realize it. Quit quit tearing each other down, right? Um, and, and to you, to your individual, to your person, treat yourself with love. Give yourself grace. Forgive yourself for making mistakes. That's what I got for the culture. We are the culture. We're going to maintain the culture. Uh, and without us, there's no culture. So... Understand your platform, whatever avenue, whatever field you're in, and, and really boss up. And I'm going to say this, too. When you boss up and you use your platform, just know it don't come without warning. It don't come without trial. So be prepared for whatever it comes with. Word up. Um, said it perfectly, yo. Might be a good title for this podcast. We are the culture.
even though it's three hours, might have to be two or three podcasts. <laughs> Let's do it, right? We we got to lure um, in. We got to lure me in though with that uh with that uh liquor chase. You know, you already you know. Gotta lure me in. I gotta get with you too, bro. Um, to to start breaking down. How do what what do you use to break it down? Do you use Final Cut or what? We'll talk about that off the podcast. I got you. Um, tonight's episode is sponsored by Hennessy. Here you go. One more drink culture. We out here. Um, like my dog said, man, collaborate with your friends. Try to just do do dope shit with the people you love. Figure out some way to do something dope with the people you love. Um. It's been another episode of the Chicken and Liquor Hour. Like we said, man, keep a lookout. Me and my dog, we're gonna we gonna do some dope shit together, man. Just just some black guys trying to do some dope shit together and stay not be- just black, not just black guys, black guys from Louisville, black guys from the West End, black guys from Seneca High School. Right. <laughs> um, like we, we came yeah, black guys from JCTMS, right? We, <laughs> we we came up, man. We came up, came down. Uh, and the thing, let me say this before we jump Get off. Stay down, boy. Stay down. We are the same people, same personality, ain't changed. Um, stay true to our core, stay true to our roots while still making our own lives out here. So, hey, big dog, salute to you, man. Always a pleasure. Chicken and liquor hour. Uh, We're going to see y'all soon. You know it. All right. It's been another episode of Chicken and Liquor Hour. Appreciate my dog. We out here always. Hey, hey. Before we jump off here, I want to shout out uh, a black brand that I'm wearing today, uh, K Luna Apparel. Um, so if you see any of these tie-dye shirts, she's based out of Louisville, Kentucky. So K Luna Apparel, we rocking you. Uh, I'm going to try to do that every episode that we record, wear something black, have something black, because we are black. <clears throat> text, me, uh, text me that too, bro. Yeah. Um, but yeah, shout out to Louisville. Shout out to everybody supporting us, man. Just do something dope with your friends, basically. Maybe that's another good title for the episode. Do something dope with your friends. Um, I like we, that. Oh, thank y'all. Keep inspiring one another, y'all. It's been another episode of Chicken Look Hour. Appreciate you, my dog. Yeah. Word on the street.